go Take my word, I'm a man, man, don't you know What's a fool and a good part in the play If it's so, would I still be here today? It's quite peculiar in a funny sort of way You think it's very funny, everything I say Getting alone with him, it's so insane You better get your coat, dear Looks like It's come down to this, 100 laps, 5 to go, at the line, 5 cars nose the tail heading down into turn number 1, it's anybody's race, inside for the race, it's definitely crunch time, somebody's going to have to make a move, 3 laps to go as they cross the start finish line, going down into turn number 1, they start to fan out, coming off a of 2, they're side by side, down the back straight away, inside for the race, that's it, coming off a of turn 4, white flag in the air, checkers and wreckers, anybody's race as they go down to turn number 1, they fan out, 2 by 2, 3 wide, Coming off the turn number two, they get sideways down the back straightaway. Someone breaks loose to yeah. the top, trying to make the run up on the high side. Going to do it the hard way around. Coming around four, there's still two by two. Three cars drop back. It's one car coming out sideways. Two's on the inside, coming to the line. It's anybody's race. Inside Florida race. Inside Florida racing. 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 Speaking of the hard way around. Hey, Rob. Yeah. You're on the air. Check. One, two. Check. One, two. Good evening, everybody. Hello. Let me turn my ears up. There we go. Now I can hear myself. This is Inside Florida Racing. Yes, that's right. Inside Florida Racing on Real Racing Network. Uh, We're back. We've taken uh, how many weeks? Three weeks? Three weeks off. We're still deciding if we really want to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's been another topic, you know. uh, Yeah, we want to do it. That's why we're here. We're here for all you folks out there listening. Um, Definitely, uh, we're into racing. I know that. Um, This weekend was a, a lot of racing going on, and this weekend coming up is even some more racing going on, and Hey, 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 Rob. Yeah. Hey, Rob. Yeah. Listen, man. I, I, I want you to take a listen to this. And tell me if this is if this, if this is familiar. Tell me if you if you ever heard. This car was born because you hit every other damn thing out there. Days I want thunder. you to be perfect. No, he didn't trickle. slam you. He didn't bump you. He didn't nudge you. He rubbed you. Yeah, that sounds like uh, some excuses I heard <laughs> over the weekend at the races. Uh, you think? Well, uh, let's do some uh, proper introductions. I'm Rob Elting, a.k.a. Bonehead. Call me whichever one you want. Um, and this is Cece Brooks. Good evening, Bonehead. Good evening, Jack, and everybody out there. Glad to be back together. I am the madman across the water. Yeah, so you posted on the posting that you were sick, like, for three weeks. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay now. It was not very, it wasn't pleasant. Well, it was pleasant for me on the three weeks off, because on, on October 22nd, I did have my 
son, Robbie Jr., was born. Uh, seven pounds, 11 ounces. How's he doing? He's doing great, man. He's, uh, what, he's three weeks old. Yeah. Three weeks old tonight. How's at, Mommy uh, doing? 11, 12. Uh, Mommy's doing great. Good. Mommy did a great job. I love Mommy. She did great. There's a post on this uh, Real Racing uh, USA message board. It says, will Bonehead be ready for Wayne Anderson? And lo and behold, there's a picture of Bonehead himself <laughs> with uh, pointing at a little picture of uh, the newborn. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's a terrible picture of me, though. That was wonderful, man. No, you know, uh had a good time at the races the other day. We're going to talk about, uh, I'm sure, the, the race uh, sometime here shortly. Mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday night race that we could talk well, about. Well, we could talk about Steve Dorr. We could actually talk to Steve Dorr, except he wore his cell phone out. I bet, man. He was kind of, you know, he was kind of aggravated, and I kind of, uh, you know, obviously, if, if you're leading the race and, you get yourself a little sideways. They're still not allowed to pass you on the bottom. You know, they've got to give you a chance to recoup. So I'm not going to say one way or the other. Is that I in like the rules? Is, is that in the rules? I haven't ever seen rules. And since I've been back racing, I have not seen rule books. So um, I guess maybe I need to brush up on the rules a little bit because during the race I had some real issues with the uh, – me and the officials weren't seeing things eye to eye. I know that. I'd well, it just wasn't you and the officials because the fans, as we were watching you race. Right. Did Bonehead get a we, bum deal? We we think so. Yeah, I I got a bum deal, and and I can understand this. When, that's what happens if you're in, if you don't qualify up in the front and start in that top five. That's who the officials are really watching. They're watching the top five. So, uh, what they probably looked up and saw is that I was spinning around, and they you know thought that. I did it on my own, or I was, from what I understood on the scanner, parking it in the corners. But it's kind of hard to go any faster than the guy in front of me. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, you know, it, it's neither here nor there. I, I definitely didn't throw a fit about the night. But I would like to know, and maybe if one of the officials, somebody that works at Charlotte County Motorsports Park, could maybe call the show tonight. What's the number, Jack, real quick? What's the number here? 941-426-6760. Yeah. Yeah. Call that number and, and tell me uh, why. See, now I have They radios. better hurry up, though, because we're going to be talking to a lot of people here. Yeah, tonight. I know. Well, they're not going to call anyways because they don't like me. Anyways, I want to know why when somebody when the green light comes out. I've been racing late models for years. When that green light comes out, outside's mm-hmm. fair game. Okay, fair game. You want to throw it out there and throw I've it seen to the you wind jump out there and lose times. spots. When that green light comes out, it's go time. Now, I have spotters out there, and the specific instructions were... As soon as that green light comes out, you tell me. Because we didn't go green last time because Pletcher was, you know, playing a game. Yes. So this time, when we go back to green, I know the old man, he's going to go. Okay? So I told him, as soon as that green light comes out, you tell me, and I'm gone. I'm throwing it to the outside. That's exactly what I did. And I successfully passed two of the cars. I actually passed a few cars mm-hmm. on the outside for a second. But it's really hard to complete that pass and get down. And then we ran about 20 laps, came to a caution. They lined me up behind those guys. Um, after they had put me to the rear, and somebody else spun out. So it's not a show about me and what happened to me because um, I ended up breaking anyways, broke an oil pump. So I probably got more issues than than just the oil pump, too, to deal with. But um, I watched the latter 50 laps of the race. And um, I watched what went on out there with uh, the crash. and um, The crash being between Patrick Williams yeah. And Steve Dorr in the number 10, Patrick Driver in the number 77. I mean, what would have been, 
Yeah, I, like I said, man, I hate to throw it either way because I, I think both the guys are great racers and stuff. But I, I think that uh, the officials make make the call. The, I'm going to say it like this: the officials make the calls that they see and the way that um, they want to make it. And if somebody has a problem with it, they can complain. But they stand by at least when they make a decision, and they stood by it. You know, it would mm-hmm. would what would have really been worse is if the 77 would have finished the race. And then they deemed after the race that they should have disqualified him or something, you know, or, or put him to the rear. So, you know, I, I feel bad for the 10, and in the same token, I feel great for the 77. You know, those guys, you know, deserve to win. Uh, Tommy Sestima that owns that car, you know, he's definitely been around racing for a long time. You know, that car, Terrell Shellnut drove that car in the Florida Pro Series back when I used to race, you know, uh, those days of the Florida Pro Series. And now... Um, I saw some riding, you know, where it said James Powell owned the car. He doesn't own the car. You know, James Powell gets to driving every now and then. But what a job they did to win that race the other night. You know, look at the drivers mm-hmm. that were there. It was a great field of drivers uh, in that super late model race Saturday night. Unfortunately, so many cautions Saturday night that the Road Warriors didn't get a race. So that that was unfortunate. Yeah, they took up, and 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 there's that's going to change. There's no doubt it's going to change. Yeah, I, there's I def- heard there is talk on the uh, that would be a very that bad thing. change. Very, very bad. Very bad. Well, they've got to do a limit. No, 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 no. They got to do here's, a limit. Here's the deal. Let me point out something. Okay. Yeah, this, is, out. this is exactly the way the ASA runs their deal, um, and sometimes it gets a little long um, because of the cautions. However, when a race fan goes to a dirt racetrack. Okay, and there is becoming more and more serious competition for race fans between dirt and asphalt, and it's going to get even more. When you go to a dirt track to see a 50-lap race or a 75-lap race, you get 75 laps of green flag racing. Okay, when you go to an ASA late model race, you get 100 laps or 125, whatever it is, of green flag racing. A couple times they they average 12 cautions, and their races are almost identical to what happened Saturday night. See, at Saturday night, you had two races going on at one time. Okay, check this out. You had seven cars that ran by themselves the majority of the race. The top seven cars ran by themselves. Mm-hmm. Nineteen cautions. Two cautions out of the 19 were caused by the seven top cars. There was a, a field of seven to eight second-tier cars, which you were running with, okay? Tommy Steyer was the class of that particular field most, after he got his car running because he was having all kinds of car problems. Okay, but anyway, you, had, you have the second-tier class of cars, 17 cautions. Six of those cautions were caused by one driver. Okay. It wasn't me. Okay. No. Two of them. It wasn't two of them were from me, though. Okay. <laughs> and 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 the the thing is, is you don't want to take away what the fan. Because I'm telling you this, they're not coming to see seven trucks. Those those six hundred people that came and paid their dollars at, at at Charlotte County were not coming to see them seven trucks, and they were not coming to see the six of them other things or the eight of them other things. They were coming to see them late models. And you start taking in. They had an incident here in the Florida Pro Series at Columbia Motorsports Park when Bert was still still had that thing going. And this was when I called Bobby. I said, "Man, you don't ever do what they just did." 
They had a 125-lap race, and I think 80 laps was under caution. The fans got like 30 laps of green flag racing. So then what is the answer so to the, the answer, problem? So the answer to that is, is that you have a, I said, this is what I say. I say when your drivers, because you had, and it's always the same. You know, you had two cautions with the top-tier cars. One of those was because a motor blew up. Dave Pletcher's motor blew up. Mm-hmm. The other one was because the leaders were, the guys were fighting for the lead, and that's absolutely legitimate, and that's what the fans want to see. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's what it's about. See, so what you do is, when it's driver's meetings over, you take and you call all the guys in this who, who you know are in the second tier. They're not going to run, you know. You got some kids out there that are learning the game. You got some guys that don't have the motors or whatever to run with Wayne Anderson, and you're not going to match them. So you call them guys aside and you start giving them some instruction. Look, number 84K, you overdid it last week. This week, well, you normally have a three strikes rule and you're out. This week, you get two strikes. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, you got to put the pressure on these drivers. Look, guys, you're here to put a show on. Don't be tearing up all this expensive equipment for 14th place. Knock it off. Ask Don Nerone when he's on what he thinks about it. Now, he probably likes the caution deal because what they do is they count five cautions. Well, that's what I was going to say. As, yeah. as a driver, it just it costs you more money. The more laps, every lap, whether you're idling around or whether you're driving around, it's putting laps on that motor. Our motors are designed to run better, um, you know, running wide open and doing those laps quicker than putting around and doing them slow. And they suck a lot of gas down. But you have to admit, the 17 cautions were caused by well, the way I the look back at it, cars. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's, it's six in one, half a dozen in the other, okay, when it comes to that. Because um, the guys, looks like he said, half the cautions were caused by guys in the front, half the cautions were caused by one other guy. I guess there was... A third went to one guy, half the cautions by the front, and then mm-hmm. half the cautions by well, the other ones. What do you both think of 13- and 14-year-old drivers in the super late models class? I'm surprised because that's you know, super late models is, you know, sort of a, a higher class and doesn't really strike me as a, as a starting place or for a young driver. I mean, you, super late models have a lot, a lot of drivers like you who are very skilled and experienced, Rob. Well, I... I, I don't even know where to go with it. You know, I I see them out there. Are you concerned when you know they're out there? You know, I'll say this. You know, I I, I want to see the guys learn how to race. You know, at the short racetracks like we're racing at, you don't even need as fast of cars as we have to do well. You know, they, they prove that with the limiteds being able to run, and uh, it's just it's tough to pass on the outside. So, um, when it comes to the kids out there racing around at 14, I guess if they're capable. And they keep their cars on the racetrack. And, um, you know, I saw a little bit the other night when I was watching the 50 lap, or I saw a little bit of, you know, uh, like, you know, slowing down slightly, you mm-hmm. know, by some of them. And I, I think they kind of stayed out of the way. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I had, I had, I had to go to the rear and I, I passed on the outside, you know, when the green came out. And I thought it was all good by doing that. And I got by him. I was able to get behind Steyer. And I thought, yeah. I would have had, you know, good, just stay behind Steyer. I wish I had it, you know. He'd have finished fifth. I think he finished fifth. And, you know, finishing sixth would have been fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, there again, my car broke. So I see uh, it, it's tough once you're racing and once you've run about ten laps to pass, you know, a limited there. It's hard to pass even a limited. So, and 
I'll say about uh, Ross, you know, he, he's doing a good job mm-hmm. in the car. You know, that's a good field of cars. You know, when they pulled up Saturday and they saw all the cars that were there, I bet you Ross was a little bit intimidated, you know. Um, and, and for him to go out there and, and start with a class field like that and, and race around and really not cause, I don't feel that he caused much issue. I think he drove his car well when I was beside him, you mm-hmm. know, and or, or or even behind him, you know. I mean, it's. Listen, these late models are tough. That's all I can say. They don't they don't handle the same any lap. You know, you ask any guy that drives one, um, it's nice when they do handle the same, but as soon as they start going away, like Pletcher, you know, he's having a hard time with his car. His car runs 85 great laps. You know, if we were running 75-lap races, he'd be the king. But That's right. as they start going away, what happens, the car just starts going away, and you just can't get back on the gas anymore. You guys want to talk to some guests? Yeah. Let's shift gears and go dirt racing, man, with uh, uh, Ken Kenny and uh, – Sean Smith, who won down at uh, New Henry uh, County Speedway. Welcome, uh, Ken and Sean, to Inside Florida Racing. How you yes, doing, sir? Well, we're doing fine. We're doing. Uh, we're putting up with uh, Bonehead, so you know we're okay. <laughs> Let me tell you. Good evening, guys. I talked to Bonehead. The last time that Bonehead and I talked was at the Cash and Carry in Wesley Chapel. The Sunday that Dale Earnhardt Sr. passed away. That's right. You know, on each other's shoulder. Isn't that funny? In the aisle. <laughs> isn't that funny? It's it's funny, Sean. Every time somebody says your name to me, it's it's funny. Uh, <laughs> that's the it's, memory I have of yeah. you also. <laughs> no, I got a lot more memories of you than that, but that's the last time I think I saw Sean was in. He's right. You know, we we're in Cash and Carry, and uh, Earnhardt had crashed. You know, and so you know the race was over, and they they went on to their regular programming, so nobody really ever knew what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm walking down there, and he, Sean, he was all upset, you know, because he'd done heard about it. And uh, I see him walking down there, and he's walking down the thing going, he's gone, he's dead, man. Dale's dead. I can't believe it. We're sitting there about crying in the middle of the cash and carry. <laughs> and uh, that was really, uh, really something. So let's hear what's going on, Sean, with uh, the race in Hendry County and, and your racing. What's going on? Uh, everything with my racing is going good right now. We, uh. We wrapped up the championship for uh, the Central Florida Sheds, Central Sheds and Trailers Florida Late Model Championship this week and uh, topped it off with a big win. And uh, everything's good right now. We're, uh, we got some big races coming up here the next couple of weeks, and then I'm going to take a break. But uh, it's been good here the past couple of months. This has been a really good year for me, so I have no complaints. Now, now tell me something, Sean. How, how did you get wrapped up in running late models? Now, last I remember, you were running sprint cars, right? Yeah, but we, uh, I was getting pretty hot and heavy into the sprint car deal, and uh, whenever Ronald passed away, I, uh, I pretty much lost interest in all of the sprint car racing deal, and uh, I actually quit going to the races. Didn't go to any races for a year, at least, you know, just didn't have anything to do with it and i got a good friend of mine that you know builds go-karts racing go-karts and stuff and he kind of got me back into that deal and i did that for about three months and i said you know for what i've spent doing this i could have me a regular late model you know so and that was about four years ago now and uh i sold off all the go-kart stuff that i purchased again and bought me a dirt late model and been racing it ever since so uh, you won the championship now? Yeah. The uh, Ken Kenny, who's on the other line there, he uh, 
he put this deal together this year, a little uh, four-ray series for the late models, and it's going to be a pretty big deal next year, so I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, it uh, it was a good run for us this Saturday. It's been a good run for us every time we've been down there. And uh, wrapped it up this weekend, and pretty happy, pretty stoked about that. Ken, Ken who who uh, are some of the other guys that, that uh, finished uh, up in the top level of your series? Yes, sir. Uh, in the in the late models, uh, you know, Sean, of course, he clean swept it. He won all all four races. Uh, then Brett Carlton ended up second in the points. He was like fourth in the points going into the deal. And uh, a couple guys had problems. You know, that run good all year. One guy blew a motor. Jeff Conyers blew a motor, I believe. And uh, you know, Roger Krause had a lot of problems in the late model division. So Sean Smith won it, of course. Brett Carlton was second. Marshall Austin ended up third in the points for the year. Jeff Conyers slipped from second to fourth. But he had, I mean, he had a great year and had nothing to be ashamed of. If it wasn't for this DNF, you know, he was right there. And then fifth, uh, Roger Krause, you know, slipped from third to fifth. And that was the top five in the late models. Um, then in the open wheel modifieds, Roger Krause did win the championship in that. Um, John Bradley finished second. Billy Boyd Sr. finished third in the points. Uh, Robert Douglas was fourth. And fifth was Tony Agent from Fort Myers Beach. And then in the uh, limited late model deal, which was my original series, which was a 12-race deal, uh, Tim Powers from Okeechobee won the championship in that. And uh, Roger Krause, again, finished second. So he finished top five in all three. Uh, in doing so, we named him, you know, driver of the series and, you know, awarded him with some stuff. Um, and Michael Cherry uh, slipped up in the third in the limited late model deal. He was running a little further back and, you know, had some good finishes, ended up third. Uh, he did a real good job Saturday. And then Tommy Evanoski, uh, he was dominating the series at the beginning of the year and uh, had nothing but hard luck the last three times out, and he slipped to fourth. And then Joe Hankey from Naples ended up fifth, um, and he he finished third this weekend in the race. Joe did, or fourth, I believe, fourth. Um, so, you know, that was the end of the deal this year. And uh, this weekend, you know, we we had a uh, record amount of late models out there for this little track. They had, um, you know, 23 started the feature, 26 came through the gate, and uh, you know, it was an you know there was cars from everywhere. It was an excellent, excellent race. Well, Sean, you ate up all them cars? What's Jeff, that? He even ate up Jeff Choquette. I said you ate up all them cars out there, son? Yeah, I got a, I got it figured out down there. And everybody, they ain't quite got a, they ain't quite got a handle on it. And I, I was lucky this week, too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, every time we've been down there, I've pulled pills and started at the rear of every heat race. And this week, I go down there and I start on, pull pills, start on the pole for, my, for the heat race, and then... On the front straightaway, I pulled the pole for the feature, so you know yeah. there was a lot of luck to it. Also, that makes it your night when you do that, though. Yeah, Ken. Ken again, where where is uh, what is uh, your website, and when do you guys get started next year? Okay, that thing's really grown. Uh, when I talked to you guys last, we were calling it the Florida Dirt Late Model Challenge Series. We've got now um, three races already scheduled in Georgia, and probably will go up to four or five. And uh, now it's called the United Dirt Late Model Challenge Series. Um, and it's gained a lot of ground with sponsors and, 
you know, it'll get started in March of next year. Um, you know, we were going to kick the year off next year, March the 8th, down at New Henry County Speedway. Uh, but we're, that may end up being the second race. Uh, you know. You going to spill some beans here? What's that? Are you getting ready to spill some beans? <laughs> well, I'll say this. I seen the beans spilled on some websites yet last night after I spent two hours trying to figure out a central location to start the series because I've been very happy with, you know, the progress down at New Henry County Speedway. You know, I think they've, done better and better and better. I mean, you know, they had a few issues in one of the corners a little bit this weekend, but overall, you know, they've listened to me and, you know, and a lot of other folks, and they've gotten better and better, and I expect it to be better next year, but it's still at the edge of Florida, you know what I mean? And and being we, we've gained a lot of ground up in uh, Georgia, you know, National Late Model guys, a lot of them have scheduled to run with us next year, and I'm trying to pick a more central location to start the season, so... When I checked the website, when I seen the beans were spilled, I was on the phone with Mike, Mike this morning from Ocala Speedway, as you can imagine, yeah. first thing this morning. And uh, you know, he had already committed that if he went dirt, that they were going to run the Powell Memorial would be part of our series. And you know, he followed through with his word, and we confirmed that today that the Powell Memorial first Saturday, first Friday night in June will be part of our series. Um, but I. And trying to persuade him into letting us open our series at Ocala this year, um, you know, and we're working on that. He, he's got some things to think about, uh, but you know that that's what's in the airwaves. You know, me trying to get that worked out. Well, he's got some work to do. <laughs> yes, he does. We'll, we'll have to ask him about that when he's on in a little bit. Uh, Mike will be joining us uh, probably around 9 o'clock as we're having an extended show tonight. What do you think about that, Sean? Are you going to like to run Ocala the old dirt way? Oh, yes. You know, I I, uh, I happened to see the shirts. I saw Mike Peters at uh, Volusia walking <laughs> around with some Got Dirt shirt on. And it kind of <laughs> says, America's Short Track, Ocala Speedway, Got Dirt. I've seen all these people with these T-shirts, and it... Uh, it definitely got my attention, so I, I went up and introduced myself to the guy, and, you know, I just wanted to know, are you pulling our legs, or is this deal going to happen? And, you know, he told me from the get-go it was all serious, and he was going to do it. So on Friday nights, another track to run here in Florida. The way diesel prices are right now, I mean, it's just killing us going up and down the highway. So now if we could just convince one of the other dirt tracks to run on Sunday afternoons, and I could, we could do a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon thing, we'll be good shape then. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be something, wouldn't it, Sean? You'd just get to run three days out of the week. You'd just be happy as a fiddler, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I'm all into those marathon type of races, you know, where we go for multi-days. You know, these dirt cars, we ain't got to wash them or anything. We can just go from one to the other. It, it, it all, it's all the same thing. <laughs> i tell you what, um, for, for the people that don't know Mike, you know, up at Ocala, he... Uh, I met him probably a month and a half ago, and I met him uh, at East Bay. In fact, a lot of dirt guys had seen those shirts, like Sean said. Um, Sean mentioned it to me, Roger Krauss, Keith Nosvich, a lot of different ones had mentioned it to me. And uh, I gave him a call, and, you know, at the time, he's very diplomatic. And uh, what I like about him, he's really fan-oriented. I mean, he, you know, and that's why, you know, we had this long conversation today. He's got some fantastic plans for the facility and he's totally fan oriented you know he he really he thinks everything out he doesn't give you a quick decision you know and 
I, I kind of like that. I like the fact that the guy thinks things through a little bit, you know, and, you know, really my series, the reason it's grown is I, I think now, and I think you guys on, you know, on your show would agree with me, you know, there's a split uh, mix on asphalt whether, you know, these series have either hurt asphalt racing in Florida or helped it. And, uh, you know, some people feel it's hurt it, and some people feel it's helped it, and uh, uh, probably more so on the on the negative side. So on my series, what you know, I went to all the track owners, and uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't hurt their weekly shows. I wanted to make sure I scheduled, uh, you know, around certain things. I mean, I lost a race here in Florida at a premier track. You know, I don't, I don't want to you know, throw the name out there, but I did lose a race at a premier track because I didn't want to run head-to-head against one of the other tracks in my series because they had a big late model race that weekend, and they were only a few hours away, and, you know, I wanted to stick to my principles because I've, you know, I've talked to Todd Hutto a lot at East Bay, and I've talked to, uh, of course, Mike Peters, who, you know, and then and then also Frankie uh, up at Golden Mile Speedway's Frankie Lloyd, and, uh, all, and you know Chris down at Clouston, he's been real good with me. But they, you know, we've been concerned about not hurting each other, um, you know, because I want it to be a win-win for everybody, you know. And because because of the attitude, we started out with a fifteen hundred to win points fund. We're already up to five thousand dollars. So you figure every race in our series is either a three thousand to win or five thousand to win with a five thousand dollar point series so far. And I haven't even been to the trade show yet, so it's. You know, it's going in the right direction at this point. Hey, um, are you going to put any asphalt races on your schedule for your uh, dirt late models? You betcha. We got one scheduled right now at Charlotte County. I was going to say, Bobby, I have one. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got it on there. No, it's deal. When is it's it? Done deal. You know when it is? Yes, sir. It's. Uh, you know, you caught me without my schedule. I'm going to walk back here and look. But I think it's the second weekend in July. I want to say around the 19th, if that's a Saturday. I think it's the second weekend in July. Sean, you going to race it when it's on the asphalt? Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that deal. I think you guys will jack the tire up all the way around the track. Well, I uh, my neighbor over here is uh, Joe Wachell. Yeah? He, uh, as soon as Kenny announced that deal, me and him were talking you know, across the fence here, and he's already got me a shop package for that deal. Oh, so, yeah. So we're, uh, I'm looking forward to that deal. Right, where do you live at now? Dade City. And Joe lives all the way in Dade City? Yeah. Uh, moved up here uh, about six months ago, I guess. Oh, okay. He moved up here. Uh, he actually drove down the road here, and he saw my truck and trailer and all that stuff and called his wife and told her, this is the road we have to live on, and that was the next. The house right next to me was actually for sale, so he moved in about two weeks later. Well, he he knows how to get a hard car to handle at Charlotte County Speedway. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he. Uh, I saw him Saturday morning. He. Uh, I guess he didn't have too good a luck over at Orlando Speed World last Friday night, though. I guess he tore it up pretty good. He. Uh, he was looking a little gimp, though. He was walking limping a little bit when I seen him Saturday morning. I said, man, that don't look too good. He says, no, I'm just old. It's not the not from the crash. I'm just old. I said, okay. I, got it. <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, when I first talked to you guys, I had probably a contingency of maybe 12 guys from East Bay, you know, that for my primarily race East Bay, other than Sean, you know, that had uh, registered for the series. 
since then I went up to the show down at the coast up there in Georgia, and I've gotten another five, you know, guys from up there that signed, you know, signed into. I think so we got 17 guys that have actually paid, you know, registered for next year, and there's probably another eight or ten that have contacted me from up that way. Um, and then we got a, a lot of part-time guys that have committed to run the deal when they're not running Arca or running Asphalt, you know, like Jeffrey Chiquette and Terry Eaglin and uh, uh, Patrick Sheltra. Um, sorry about that. So going by here. And Brian Bernhardt. You know, Brian ran, ran our race this weekend and finished third. And, uh, you know, so we got some part-timers that are going to, you know, run the races they can and then, you know, I think this thing's going to be a big deal. And I've made a commitment as a promoter to the tracks that I go to. I told them if I can't fill a 24-car field, I'll pay them $150 a spot. That's how confident I am that I'm going to fill the 24-car field. All right, man. Well, that sounds good, man. Speaking of Jeff Chouquette, uh, we're going to have to roll along here because we got uh, a little bit uh, later here we're going to talk with uh, Jeff Chouquette and uh, Wayne Anderson and uh, – Don Neron and all those guys about and Dick Anderson too about the uh, upcoming Governor's Cup. So, uh. hey Sean, yeah, make sure if you know anybody out there, it's got a ride for an old guy. I want to try to drive one of them cars. <laughs> you know, there's a whole lot more keeping up with the steering wheel than one of those asphalt cars in one of these things. Now, I mean, I can still move my arms. You can still okay. Well, you're an old figure eight guy, so you you're used to going both ways with the steering wheel. So, I. Uh, You'd probably be just fine in one. Okay, get me hooked up. I'm ready. Congratu- <laughs> congratulations again, Sean, on your big win, man. Yeah, man, and, that's uh, great. Ken, uh, we'll be in touch, man. All right, take care, guys. I appreciate it. And Sean, again, congratulations. I appreciate it. I, it was something else when he walked up on the straightaway after the last three times he's been there. Like he said, he pulled the last pill every time he walks up when all the marbles are on the line and he pulls the first pill right in front of all the fans right there on the front straightaway. They they knew they were going to be chasing for that that particular night. Awesome. Take care, guys. You did good, Sean. Take it easy, you guys. Thanks for uh, talking to us. Thank you. All right. And we'll be right back with uh, Terry Roberts, Don Neron, Dick Anderson, Wayne Anderson. Big show. Big all, show. All them guys. Driver of the 93 ASA late model, and you're listening to Real Racing USA on Short Track America. Powermaster is your ASA series sponsor for the XS Power batteries. Powermaster is pleased to announce the introduction of the XS Power series of batteries, XX Power batteries for racing applications, and batteries for your car audio application. 12 volt batteries for street machines, street rods, off road vehicles, and even motorcycles. XS Power batteries means 30% more power and no battery spilling. Powermaster also carries your starters and alternators. Visit us on the web at www.powermastermotorsports.com. When purchasing a technical product like brakes, there is no substitute for quality and experience. In the performance industry, no one has more experience than the brake man. The Brakeman has been designing high-performance solutions for a variety of applications for almost 40 years. The current products from the Brakeman are among the most advanced on the market. The Tornado calipers are the only calipers in the performance industry to carry a U.S. patent number and a new line of pads and rotors. The Brakeman Super Brakes are solving brake problems on hard-use vehicles, from police cars to ambulances and a variety of fleet vehicles. So if you're towing a trailer, carrying heavy loads, or just plain want to extend the life and stopping power of your vehicle, it's time to call The Brakeman on the web at thebrakeman.com.
back with Inside Florida Racing. I'm C.C. Brooks. And uh, do we have our next uh, guest on the phone, Jack? Well, you know, it's that time of year. That your uh, microphone doesn't work, yeah? It's that time of year. There yeah, you right. Go. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's that time of year. Every November, we have uh, one of the biggest races in uh, Florida, certainly for super late models. And uh, this would be the 42nd one, I believe, of the uh, running of the Florida Governor's Cup 200. And uh, Terry Roberts is general manager at New Smyrna Speedway. And uh, welcome to Inside Florida Racing, Terry. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be there. Be here. Terry, how are you, son? This is Rob Elting. How are you doing? Good. And yourself? I'm doing great, man. It's been a few How's years since we've talked. How's your dad? <laughs> Dad's doing great. Dad's doing great. I made a, I made him a grandfather uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, uh, I know he's a happy man. Yeah, he definitely is. Uh, so you're you're still hanging in there over at New Smyrna, running things, making things work out. Um, talk to us a little bit about this uh, big Governor's Cup race that's coming up and uh, what we can expect. Well, it's really you know it's the uh, premier uh, uh, short track race uh, of the year in Florida for late models. It's kind of like the Super Bowl. Um, and, um, you know, if you look back over the history of it, of who's been there and, you know, the names that have won it have been, have been great, but it's the names of the people who've been in it that haven't won it probably is, is just as big. So, um, you know, I had, uh, uh, one of the, uh, one of the former winners, uh, tell me one time it, it wasn't about the money in the race. It was all about winning the cup. And, uh, I guess that's the, uh, the, uh, about it is they want their name on that trophy yeah bobby allison managed to come in second <laughs> that was in well, six, 65 and i was there is that right yeah were you really yes i was there yeah i wasn't even here on this earth yet well <laughs> i was there you know two years two years okay. after terry two years after that dumont smith won the race and uh uh, I talked, and I was off in the Navy at that time. Is that right? I talked to Dumont this afternoon, and uh, we're going to have him. Uh, um, he's saving up his voice because we're going to have him on Real Race in USA uh, tomorrow night. Well, we always look forward to seeing him every year, and uh, you know it's kind of special to see all the uh, former winners come back and see everybody come out for this uh, for this race because it uh, it certainly is. Uh, you know, there's a lot of prestige that goes with it. Uh, uh, I had a, uh, a picture sent to me recently of uh, uh, of Hayden Burns with the with the trophy, and probably most people don't know who Hayden Burns is, but he was governor of Florida at the time the uh, uh, the trophy was uh, was uh, and this race was uh, put on by the Florida Development Commission at the time. So it it goes back, got a lot of history. Yeah. So so what's uh, what's the, the what's the buzz this year? Well, you know, it's uh, Bright House is back as a presenting sponsor. This is their second year, and uh, uh, they're all excited. And of course, we're excited to have them. They'll be uh, uh, taping the race to uh, to show on Bright House uh, television throughout Central Florida. Um, and uh, just been an exciting time. It's it, it's just you know we get to see a lot of people we haven't seen in a while. Uh, uh, we also uh, take this time to to thank and uh, our sponsors who've been with us through the years and uh, uh, bring them out and introduce them and thank them for being a part of uh, part of uh, New Smyrna Speedway. Well, let's talk about some of the drivers that you're going to have there. Who you got signed up already? Well, you know, you're going to have uh, um, 
Wayne Anderson, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jeff Schofield, um, uh, Timmy Russell. Timmy just won the uh, Bright House uh, Super Late Model Challenge Championship this year. He won that in the race Saturday night at New Smyrna. Uh, you'll have uh, Patrick Conrad, uh, Ricky Carmichael, um, let's see, uh, David, David Rogers. Uh, they, they just go on and on. Well, how, how large of a field are you expecting? I, I'd be I'd be disappointed if we don't have thirty thirty five cars. Wow, that'd be a cool. wonderful turnout. Were, were you at the? Um, the... We had, you know, we had we had nineteen last week for the for the Bright House race. So, you know, I, I would just think that uh, by by that being uh, you know kind of a gauge to go by that we if we don't have thirty thirty five cars, I'd be real disappointed. Terry, Terry, were you at the uh, Governor's Cup in uh, 78 when Trickle won it? And, no, I wasn't, huh? I was just looking at that. I mean, Dick Trickle won the race. Dick Anderson came in second. Leroy Porter was in third. And Pletcher was fourth. That was a heck of a race. I How know. about that, huh? <laughs> and old Leap and Leroy will be there this week. He's always there he's, at the Governor's Cup. He's always there. We've had some yeah. We've had some really good ones. I, you know, the year that... Uh, Choquette won. That was a huge surprise. I remember uh, you got a lot of a lot of the promoters and other folks were walking around. Jeff, who? <laughs> well, he did a job, didn't he? Buddy. You know, and um, it's it's always exciting to see uh, you know what happens there, and uh, you know you've got uh, you got some people that uh, that are on a roll right now. You take Patrick Conrad. Patrick is hot. He won. Um, he just he won the. Um, Won the race Saturday night at New Smyrna, and then uh, prior to that, he won the Sun Belt race at Orlando. He won uh, third in the Clyde Hart. Uh, so he's uh, coming right along, and you got uh, um, Paul, um, the 73 car, Sam Watts, and Sam won the, the, uh, the race uh, for the Clyde Hart, you know, and he's got a fast car, and, they, you know, the kids, uh, the kid can drive. What uh, what uh, time do what what's the 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 time of what uh, things schedule? Yeah, what's your schedule all about? Yeah, yeah what's well, the... you know, we Friday we uh, we open our pit gates at two and we have practice from six to nine on Friday. Saturday morning we open our our pit gates at nine for registration. Eleven o'clock there's a drivers meeting. Uh, we have our grandstands will open at one o'clock and we have practice uh, from one to two thirty and they qualify at three. Uh, then at six we have the autograph session. Seven o'clock we do the pre-race and seven ten driver introductions and seven thirty we're going racing. That's a long day. Yes, sir. Then you have a hundred lap uh, other race too, isn't yeah, it? We have a hundred lap mini stock race following that. Yep, the mini stock, uh, mini stock challenge. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Rob Steve Dorr told me that uh, you know because I'm always giving him a hard time because he won't run. He says he doesn't have a car to run at New Smyrna, so I'm always giving him a hard time. He's going to go down there and try to win the mini stock race. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a car that can run at New Smyrna either. Don told me I can't race there because I don't have a ABC body <laughs> on my car. Can you believe that, Terry? Do I believe it? Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah, I can believe it. I mean, gotta you got to let anybody race that comes, you know? Well, it, is it open to... To all drivers no in this women. class? There's, there's oh. no women. No women. <laughs> now, wait a minute here. No, 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 no. But, I mean, do you have to do you have to have a, a certain 
you know, is it just open to any driver that's willing to pay the entry fee to, to race, or do you have to be a cer- certain, you know, I don't know, qualifications to get in? Well, if you you have to open to uh, super late model, uh, and most of those boys that got super late models have got to, have got the qualifications to be there. Yeah, you you better have a good one when you're there at New Smyrna because that's so uh, now. So Rob, you were saying, I mean, you drive a super a, a super yeah. light model. It has a lightning light body on it, and they don't like it. Okay, they'd let me race it. They'd just make me weigh more. You, that's all. So you'd have to put more weight on. your I'm vehicle. sure they'd okay. weight me down, even even though I'd be the slowest, slow one of the slower guys there. You know, with it. Just like it is, they'd make me weigh it down a little bit more, make me a little slower. He's, he's just giving Terry a hard time, that's all. <laughs> okay. Hey, so, uh, uh, Terry. You, know you know what? The thing is, you know, people complain you don't have rules. You make rules, then they complain because you make rules. Oh, oh I absolutely. Know. That's, that's I know you guys. I know you guys stand by your rules, and that's good. That's at least uh, consistent, and consistency goes a long way with racers. Yeah, that's cool. So, uh,. Let's see. What else is there? Anything else we need to cover here, Terry? About any any special well, we things? Want to invite, we want to you know invite everybody over. It's just uh, you know it, New is just a beautiful place to come. Come early. Uh, visit uh, New Smyrna. You can uh, uh, come down to the beach. We've got fine restaurants, uh, uh, nice hotels, and places to stay and places to visit uh, during the day and come to the races at night. Which one of those restaurants can we throw your name around and get some uh, good deals? Absolutely. Which one? Give us a couple matter. of them restaurants. It doesn't matter. Just they, tell them Terry sent you. Yeah, tell <laughs> Terry Roberts sent you a good deal, I'm sure. You know, I, I have to get that part of my tourism uh, uh, board in there, too. You know, uh, <laughs> this one is a great place to come. We we love having uh, people come visit us over here. It's a fast racetrack, for sure, if you folks have never been uh, been there to see a race. It's very it's fast. extremely fast, and you got to remember, this is the first race for the Governor's Cup on the new pavement. Okay. You yeah. know, and uh, uh, the new pavement is uh, is really come in. It's uh, coming great, and, uh, you know, a lot of things are going on. A lot of teams coming down to test at New Smyrna now because of that. Right. Well, all right. That sounds great. And uh, we will see you uh, Saturday. I will see you Saturday, Jack. Absolutely. I wouldn't, wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. On Governor's Cup Day, that's for sure. Okay. Terry, right. you take it easy. If I get a chance to, I'll see you sometime this year. Okay. Tell your dad hello for me. All right. I will. All right, bud. Bye. All right. Bye, All right. Terry. Terry, you have it. Terry Roberts, General Manager, New Smyrna Speedway. Yeah, they're super late models. And uh, see, at New Smyrna, uh, CeCe? Yeah. Yeah, you, you got to have a little uh, little better. You need to be fast because, see, at, at New Smyrna, or at, uh, like, what you saw the other night at, <laughs> at Charlotte County. Yeah. Um, probably half or, well, probably three-quarters of those cars uh, would have been lapped in a few laps because the straightaways at New Smyrna, man, they go fast. Yeah, the cars are really fast there. And if, if you get your car very hooked fast, up, you get the mile. right gear in it, and you get it hooked mm-hmm. up so it'll handle in the corner. Because that's the thing. You're carrying, uh, you're going 100, 120, 130 miles an hour down the straightaway. miles an hour at least. You know, where you can be lucky if you go 90 miles an hour, you know, at Charlotte County Speedway. Okay. You know, so uh, things happen really fast. I've had one of the worst wrecks I've ever had in a late model there. Somebody dumped some oil on the track in front of us, and I backed it into the fence hard. And I thought that was the wreck, but the real wreck happened when the next guy ran through it and backed up into me and smashed the whole front of my car. So the back was smashed, the front was smashed. (laughs) 
But uh, things happen fast there, and it, and it makes for really good races. It really does. And uh, with the new asphalt, it's probably even better. Mm, hey, sounds well, let's, like a race let, to check out. Let, let's ask the guy who knows. You know, uh, Don Narone just uh, just joined us here, and uh, he knows a little bit about the Governor's Cup. Don't you, Don? <laughs> he'll wing, evening, Don. What he doesn't know, he'll wing it. Well, I'll have to turn <laughs> him up first. There you go. We'll try it again. Hello, well, Don. Welcome. Well, am I here now? Can you hear me? Oh, can you? Yeah, we can hear you now. I I didn't turn you up. What's up, Mr. Don? You'll probably be forced to turn me down anyway. (laughs) With that awesome radio voice of yours. I think I've been to a Governor's Cup or two in my life. That's, of course, my favorite race of of all the races I ever go to or ever been involved in. My heart's pretty much in it. Well, you know, I asked, uh, we had Terry on getting some last-minute details about the scheduling and like that, and I asked him, I asked you, he wasn't there in 78. Were you there in 78 when Trickle won the, won the race? In 78 when he won it? Yeah. Seven, Did, seven, I was there when he won it, but not in 78. Yeah, okay, well, he won it in 78. He, he won it in 81 also. Yeah. Well, in 78, he came in first, Dick Anderson came in second, Leroy Porter came in third, and Dave Pletcher came in fourth. I just thought that was... Uh, in 81, Mike Eddy won it at Golden Gate Speedway, so I know that he was, Don Rohn was there at that one. It was Mike, it was Mike Eddy, Dick Trickle, and... Ed Howell. Remember who, Ed Howell, man, I think it was Red Farmer. Leroy. And, uh, Leroy was remember. fourth. Where'd you get these stats from you got here, Jack? We have sources, man, that go way... Man, Jack's got some stats here, Don, like none other. He can tell you who finished what and where. He's got the top ten. Gee, they just don't seem right to me, though. Really? They seem wrong? Yeah. They don't don't seem 100% right. Well, here's the deal. You're working off of memory. We're working off of print. My guy did win win in 81, and we had lap money. And I can remember now, because we had a little note for everybody that, that that, that bought a lap, had their address on a card, and Mike had to sign his autograph and send the thank you card back to him before he could collect the money. Isn't that and, nice? And he had to sign 200 of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you have it. So there's a lot of history of a lot of drivers that, you know, people watch on TV over the years uh, that have raced at these Governor's Cups. Um, that year that, uh, I think I think the next year, Rusty Wallace showed up. And this is my cutest story that I tell. Rusty Wallace showed up with some new kid that just started running ASA and and didn't qualify for the race. And we lent him enough money so that he could stay and run the next race because we run the Governor's Cup and then we go to Sunshine Speedway. And from there we go to, I think, DeSoto Speedway, and that's where the Triple Crown would run. And I remember lending him enough money for a motel room so that he could make the next race. Imagine that. Who is this star? <laughs> Rusty Wallace. Yeah. yeah, he was talking about Rusty. Oh, I thought he was saying that it was somebody else besides Rusty. Yeah. Oh, there were, there, were, there were many, many of them. Many stars have shown up. I'll tell you what, if you go back, uh, something you don't have in the archive, before they called it the Governor's Cup, the first year they ran a race at Golden Gate, before they called the Governor's Cup, it was, and I don't remember the the whole gist of it, but it was a 200-lap race. It was the first one they put on there. And all the stars were there. Fireball Roberts was there. uh Petty was there. Went down that list. All the Allisons were there. What year was that? Uh, that would have been sixty-one, and you don't show a race in or sixty-two, and you don't show a race in sixty-two on your stats, probably. That's right. <laughs> would you find them? Does he know where our stats are? Yeah, he knows where they are. Of course, he does. <laughs> well, did you ever find? Did you ever get Dick on there? Not yet. 
We wanted you first. Ask him a story, him a story about he borrowed a motor. I don't remember what hey, hey, you can ask him yourself in about five minutes because when we get done with you for a minute, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with you and Dick together. How's that? Yeah, he uh, he borrowed a motor from somebody, and he just dying to win the governor's cup. He didn't do anything to work his name on that damn trophy. He couldn't seem to get it done. He borrowed a motor from somebody who was leading the race, and about eight laps or whatever it was to go, it started making a terrible noise, like the motor was going to come apart. And he eased up and started idling around the racetrack into the second or third, and then when he got in the pits, it had, <laughs> it had broke a header, and that was all wrong with it. <laughs> so what do you, in your opinion, what are some of the highlights since uh – like say ninety eight when uh, when you got back involved really back involved uh, in Florida heavily uh, that was the year Bigley won. Since then, you know no, I didn't I didn't have anything to do with it the year the Bigley won. I was a spectator. That's right. I took Sandy on her first date. By the way, I met Sandy and took her on her first date, and I talked to her to go to the Governor's Cup with me, and I went to the Governor's Cup and swore I was never going to go to another racetrack. And have anything to do with racing other than being a good spectator, and and I went to the Governor's Cup and got hooked again and started all over again. And that's your Bigley one, and he had the slowest car. And if you get him on the phone, he'll tell you he had the worst, slowest, terrible car. Was going nowhere, about to go a lap down, and before it was over with, everybody either wrecked or broke their stuff, and there was nobody left but Bigley. And he won the race like he always does by outliving them. Yeah, that was right. There was 19 cars in that field, as a matter of fact. And, you were there. Yeah, and BJ, BJ came in second. It, Pete, Pete Orr, that was the only time I ever... Pete Orr got a little little miffed at BJ. I remember that. It was funny. Humorous. Hey, Jack, if, if the listeners want to get more background on the Governor's Cup and take a look at what you're looking at, your stats, where do they go online? To they call Don DeRome. They just <laughs> I don't know where you go online to find it, but uh, you go into the you go into the Florida history section. There's all kinds of stuff about it. You got the all the printed that guy that printed that book, and y'all can talk about that book if you want to. Yes, it has all that stuff in it. Yes, I saw pictures, and I, every time I look at, it, I remember stuff that I forgot. But but is that is that at Carnac dot yeah, com? And Carnac's uh, Carnac's uh, racing history. Florida stock car racing. They're, they can browse around as they're listening to the show right now, and they can see all the That's history right, of the Governor's Cup and look at the but same I thing think, we've got. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly, but I think I've polished that trophy and got to walk out on the front straight on, on the front straight with it, I think, 16 or 17 times myself. Does it ever get old? Never. Yeah, that's Eddie Roach's Eddie Roach's book is what you were referring to, right? Florida Motorsports. Uh, uh, there is some good stuff. In yeah, there. absolutely. I have a copy of. I have the first edition here. I don't uh, have the other editions, but uh, I haven't seen the. I saw the first one. And, yeah, I have the the first yeah. one. I use it a lot still. I mean, it's a it's a good reference tool, you know. Too. It's got as far a, as in Florida, you know, the Governor's Cup is the race. That's the one to win. Now, is it always at the same track, or does it does it travel? It's, I mean. It's uh, does it well, change Frank, tracks? Frank Derry is the one that sanctioned the race the first time at Golden Gate Speedway, and it stayed at Golden Gate Speedway until the Golden Gate Speedway was closed. From there, it moved to Sunshine Speedway, uh, and you'll see a couple of DeSotos on there, and then and then over to New Smyrna. Yeah, when it was uh, the last that it was at Golden Gate, they called it the Offering Plate instead of the Governor's Cup because they needed people to fill it up to keep the place open, but it just didn't happen. <laughs> We talked about that last time Don was here. Golden Gate was a great place. Gave Tampa some character, you know. It was a uh, it was a unique racetrack. It was hard to get around. It was a tough racetrack, and everybody loved it. 
uh, you know, the Jimmy Copes and Leroy Reporters of the world uh, uh, just dominated those places. I mean, and every year it was a different race car driver. One year, like Jimmy won all the races, and the next year Dave Scarborough won all the races. And the next year Fletcher came in and won all the races. And Leroy came over there and just pounded them one year. It was just whoever had their stuff together because it was really a, a set-up racetrack. And when you were right, you were just so right you couldn't stand it. If you weren't right, you needed to stay home. It was a tough place to race. I loved every lap I ever made around it. Speaking of your buddy Jimmy Cope, is him and his uh, nephew there both racing? I don't know if his nephew's racing or not, but Jimmy Cope has never missed a Governor's Cup, so he wouldn't miss this one. All right. That sounds good for you Cope fans out there. He's got his uh, name on the trophy, what, five times? You tell me. You've seen it 16 times or so. I don't know. I've never yeah, seen it. Well, he, <laughs> but, he, but it keeps changing. I think, he's got his, I think he's got his name on there five times, and I think somebody else has got their name stuck on there five times. He has to be the all-time winner, so he has to win it one more time, he said. Yeah, he, right. he won them all at DeSoto there. He won that. He was on a roll at DeSoto, that's for sure. He won them at Golden Gate, too. Yeah, he won in uh, 82, I guess. At, at, uh, 83, I think. Yeah. 83, how am I doing, 83? 80, 82, 82. You're always a year behind or ahead. It's okay. I, I, I keep telling you, Leroy Porter won in 83, man. Okay. Mike Eddie right. gave it a good shot, but he came in second. <laughs> but uh, Jimmy Jimmy, literally, uh, somewhere I've got an old beta tape of that race, and if I could ever find somebody with an old beta machine and find the race again, Jimmy was... Uh, so fast in that race that he'd drive to the flag stand, lift the trolley, and wave at the fans. Everybody catch up, then he'd take off again. <laughs> yeah, those kind of days are over. Well, you've, yeah, I've seen some wild things. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, David Rogers, I, I can't remember which race it was, but I, I don't think he won the race. He did not win the race, but, I mean, he came almost won it from a lap down or something. It was, yeah. it was, it was crazy. But. Oh, uh, yeah. You want to hang- seen, in, the, in the old days, I've seen cars that that lost a lap and came back to win the race. That was that happened uh, not all the time, but from time to time. Yeah, well, why don't you uh, hang on just a minute? We're going to take a very short break here, and when we come back, we'll have Dick. Uh, we'll hook you up with Dick at uh, Dick Anderson. Okay, I'm here. Okay, sounds on. good to me. Hang on, we'll be right back. Let's see if we can get this queued up there. All right. You're listening. And you're listening to Real Racing USA on Short Track America. Powermaster is your ASA series sponsor for the XS Power batteries. Powermaster is pleased to announce the introduction of the XS Power series of batteries. XX Power batteries for racing applications and batteries for your car audio application. 12 volt batteries for street machines, street rods, off road vehicles, and even motorcycles. XS Power batteries means 30% more power and no battery spilling. PowerMaster also carries your starters and alternators. Visit us on the web at www.powermastermotorsports.com. When purchasing a technical product like brakes, there is no substitute for quality and experience. In the performance industry, no one has more experience than the Brakeman. The Brakeman has been designing high-performance solutions for a variety of applications for almost 40 years. The current products from the Brakeman are among the most advanced on the market. The Tornado Calibers are the only calibers in the performance industry to carry a U.S. patent number and their new line of pads and rotors. The Brakeman Super Brakes are solving brake problems on hard-use vehicles, from police cars to ambulances and a variety of fleet vehicles. So if you're towing a trailer, 
carrying heavy loads, or just plain want to extend the life and stopping power of your vehicle, it's time to call The Brakeman on the web at thebrakeman.com. Bud Light presents Real American Heroes. Real American Heroes. Today we salute you, Mr. Bumper Sticker Writer. Mr. Bumper Sticker Writer. Never has one man written so much for so many. Without you, the world may never have known you can't hug with nuclear arms. And just like you, I too would rather be fishing or square dancing, or even shopping. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. You said it, brother. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh, bar to the bumper. Thanks to you, I know it's perfectly all right to honk if I'm horny. Honk, honk, beep, beep, honk. Bud Light Beer at Isopur, St. Louis, Missouri. All right, you're back with Inside Florida Racing. Uh, working on getting Dick on the phone here. So, Don, you there? Oh, he's on hold. Okay. So, uh, Cece, okay, what do you think us. about the Governor's Cup? What kind of questions does, do the fans have about the Governor's Cup? Um, you know what? I I was just, you know, really curious about, you know, what, what, is it open to all super late you yes. know, model drivers? And, Absolutely. of course, you know, thank you for explaining to me that the, – the, about the the body types and what sometimes would have to be done to race in it but it, it's really you were telling me one of the, the three premier super late model races of the year and that's interesting and, I, and you know for people like me who are still new to the sport I, I guess you know we need to go to you know the the website and read more about it and the history and it's obviously it's a over over 40 year established you know race so Long history, some interesting names from past winners. There definitely is. Um, like I said, if you folks have never been to it, to see it. And it's 200 laps? Yes, 200 laps. 200 laps in a very fast track, my understanding. And so it, it must be just extremely entertaining. Yeah, it is. Interesting and, uh, I, I and exciting. Think that when you get that many uh, great drivers together and uh, throw them on, you know, a half-mile track like that, uh, it definitely makes for, you know, a good race. Mm-hmm. and. Um, inevitably, you know, fans love to see action, and um, that's what you'll see is action. You'll see a lot of passing cars. Passing cars, as they uh, start going away, will get passed by other cars. So you never really know who's going to, mm-hmm. you know, win the race. Well, a field, what he was talking about, of having like 30-plus cars would make it very interesting and entertaining to watch also. And some of the names you guys were talking about I recognize um, just from this past weekend, mm-hmm. the Super Late Model Race. Sure. Uh, some of the races, uh, guys that were at Charlotte County will be going to race there, and uh, some won't. You know, uh, me, really, my car, I, I would have no chance to, you know, do very well there other than guys falling out because you've really got to have a fast car, a lot of horsepower. And, uh, uh, I mean, I would love to go do it. You know, New Smyrna is a great place to race, mm-hmm. and I raced there before, but I was more on top of my game seven years ago than I am today. Well, I'm definitely going to have to keep this in mind for next year for the race and plan to be able to go, to be able to travel up there and go there. Uh, we, we able to track Maybe you can uh, go see the uh, – oh, here we go. The 
time allotted for you to dial has been exceeded. <laughs> okay. Uh, and your mic's well, not on. Well, well, thank you, operator. Um, yeah, I think that would be a, a good road trip to take. Unfortunately, won't be able to do that this weekend. I'd like to plan for that for next year. Also, I think I think you'd have a good time. Also, I still have to I have to do a dirt track trip. Got to well, got to set a, a plan for heading up, I guess, to East Bay. Yeah, and just think you're going to get to maybe see uh, you will get to see dirt cars in July. Uh, dirt late that. models racing on uh on County asphalt, Speedway yeah. track that on the asphalt. That should be interesting. Now, we were talking uh, uh, about the uh, the dirt, you know, and Ocala turning the dirt in that series going there. I think that's going to really help out Ocala, which we'll be talking to Mike Peters a little bit later. Uh, what's going on there? That's definitely going to help to have a good late model series, you know, right on top, ready to, mm-hmm. to step right in there and throw some cars out there. So that should be interesting. Um the Governor's Cup is going to be a lot of racers there, a lot of the big-time racers, the names that you've heard Terry, you know, announced. And uh, um, I hope that uh, Jimmy Cope and Travis Cope both are there. I think that would be interesting. All right, All right. let's try this again. Uh, Dick Anderson will be with us in about 15 minutes. And meanwhile, we got uh, we still have Don Nerone on the line with us. And we're joined with uh, Jeff Choquette, who has uh, had a little bit of experience at the Governor's Cup. And uh, he went and got dirty this weekend, but uh, he'll be back on asphalt next weekend. Welcome to the show, uh, uh, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, there you are. There's the man. Uh, you're on the air with uh, Don here. Uh, you guys say hello to each other. Hey, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How's it going? Pretty good. I was just sitting here giggling and listening to all them talk about the Governor's Cup. And I remember I used to make a list you know, who I thought was going to win the Governor's Cup and the da 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 one of the they were asked about highlights of different governors cup. The highlight was when I walked out on the front straightaway and Jeff had just won the governor's cup and I said, This has got to be the first time ever that somebody won the governor's cup and I don't even know your name. Remember <laughs> that, Jeff? Oh yeah, I, I remember. I remember being in a crowd of people and uh you walked up and shook my hand. I still I remember quite clearly I still tell people to this day about, you know, you walk up and saying I've never met the the winner of one of my races before is shaking my hand. Yeah. Yeah, we got a picture of that up here on the computer right now. We're looking at Don and you shaking hands right after that race. That was really special to me, too, because... Uh, Are know, you crying, Don? Nobody. I, nobody I think you're crying in that picture. I, I, I was about to cry, probably. <laughs> it looks like it. you little red face there. If you, don't, if you don't think that the race don't mean a lot to me, and and some kid shows up that I never even heard of, you know, with a, with a race car, it goes out and just waxes them, boy. Wears wears them out. Oh yeah, I think yeah, they were lucky. Yeah, well, every race that was ever won was won with luck, and we all know that. Yeah, you make your own luck, but you have to try to plan your luck, and your plan worked pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, my own plan was I just didn't know who anybody was. You know, I didn't have any idea who Mike Fritz was or Jeff Schofield or Wayne Anderson. I was just out there racing around, and Spider told me when I was clear and and everything, and I didn't. I think that's the best way to race. So you weren't intimi- you weren't intimidated by by the drivers that were out there because you were really unaware of them. He had no yeah, respect I, for I, any of them. I had no idea who they told me. You know, Mike for the twenty seven guy. I mean, I didn't I didn't know you know who he was. If that he was or not. Jeff was still learning how to drive an asphalt car. He was still turning right when he went through the turns out there, man. <laughs> I think he I think he scared them all so bad they didn't want to try to pass him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did you get the opportunity to get an asphalt car, Jeff? Say that again? How did you get the opportunity to get in that asphalt car? 
Actually, um, it kind of worked out. Like, you know, we did a lot of dirt model racing before I came to asphalt, and my dad, you know, I've always been the one just to hold it wide open, and, and I was, was always on the wet tracks. And we got venturing over to the East Bay and getting on more dry, slick tracks, and my dad said, you know, everybody kept telling him put them in the asphalt car, put them in one, you know, they'll, they'll teach them. So we went and got one from uh, Shane Sawyer, and uh, we went and practiced at Lakeland, and uh, it helped my dirt racing a lot. And then, you know, we had some time off, so we went and raced a couple of asphalt races, and, uh, you know, went to DeSoto a couple of times, ran not too well, and then, you know, right towards the end of the year, got my very first win at DeSoto, and then the week after that, we went to the to New Smyrna for the Governor's Cup, and we ended up winning there too, and we said, well, you know, this I think I lost. I, I, lost. Say, I think we have cell yeah, phone. Well, yeah, Jeff, too bad. That was a good story. Yeah, Jeff's on his on his uh, cell phone there, but uh, yeah, that was a little different, wasn't it, Don? Well, actually, the car he had was Jim, one of Jimmy Cope's old cars. Did you want yeah. the governor's? We go in the governor's cup with him. Are you there, Jeff? Jimmy, Jimmy yeah, led. Jim, okay, that's cool. Keep going. Uh, Jimmy, keep going, Don. Jimmy led eighty something laps with that car and had him just wore out. They broke a rear end in it. It's the same car. And, but it was all over with. I went down to the tech here and said, well, let's see what this kid brought. And opened the hood up, and I recognized the car. Well, this, this is the same old stuff here. I figured he had some real trick piece, but it was just one of Jimmy's old cars. It wasn't even a, not what I would call a fancy race car, was it, Jeff? No, I don't even think they really knew what it was. I think it had a different front clip, different rear clip, and, you know, it, it was a, it was something that was just thrown together. But I have to say it was probably one of my best race cars that I've had. Yeah, there's a... There's a so, Go ahead, Don. Uh, tell us about driving for Dick Anderson. That's what we want to hear. Ah, uh, it's it's a little tough. You know, it's a little tough at times. You know, Dicky, Dicky, uh, you know, puts kind of puts a lot of pressure on you. But um, you know, I, I don't think he means to. You know, he just I think it's more or less me putting pressure on myself. You know, because he's Dicky's done so well, and everybody's done so well at climbing his cars. And I mean, we've done well up to this point. We just got to hopefully keep going. And but it's Dick. it's definitely an experience. Dick eats, sleeps, and loves winning, and he's he's a and he's a dear friend of mine. But he's the most demanding person you can be around at the racetrack. And, and because he, you know, eats, sleeps, you know, the winning, like you said, you know, you know, he's gave it his all. So you know, you have to go out there and give it a hundred percent. And it's really it's a lot of fun to, to race for him. And it gives you every time you go to the racetrack, you know, your car's a hundred percent. You know, you you have the best piece on the racetrack. Yeah, that's always important when you're racing too to know that you got a good piece up underneath you, and uh, Dicky definitely knows how to put one together. And uh, looks like you know how to drive it pretty well. <laughs> well, that's because he puts it together so well. What'd you do down on that on that uh, dirt track down in Henry County? You didn't uh, win that money, man. Oh, uh, I know. We, uh, me and my dad, you know, I was a little rusty as driving, and and my dad was a little rusty at you know setting it up, and we went <laughs> down there, and, and you know, the tracks probably one of the, the, the toughest dirt tracks I've tried to get around and and uh, it was real dry slick which you know I'm not used to and and uh, I, I ended up working my, I started 12th and then working my way up to 4th after a couple cars fell out and we passed a couple and then um, I got some guy was faster behind me that I passed a few laps earlier and he got underneath me and I got shuffled out of line and fell back to 7th and you know that's where we rode but we're definitely we're going to go practice this off season after the snowball derby. We're going to go practice a little bit, and uh, we'll definitely be ready for the race at the beginning of January that they got, that they got coming up. 
Oh, yeah, Sean Smith says you ain't got nothing for him. <laughs> All right, I don't, I don't write this message, but I'm, we're definitely going to work at it. <laughs> Hopefully, I got to take I, I had a little bit too much horsepower when we went down there. I, I used one of my asphalt motors. and uh, That don't work out on dry slick. No, the crate, they had crate motors, and they were just pulling away from me. So we're going we're gonna to take some horsepower out of it and uh, go down there and work on the setup. There's a couple things that we thought we could do. And, uh, I mean, we were, we were in the ballpark with, uh, you know, what we had. We think we can go down there and make it a lot better and give, uh, give Sean a run for his money. Well, you know, last year at the Governor's Cup, um, you came in second to, uh, to Jeff Schofield. So you, you almost pulled off another one. Um, do you have extra pressure because you are driving for Dick this year? Um, I used I, I used to like especially at Dusama. I used to feel you know a lot of pressure there because as a track that he's done really well at. But um, I know I know we're going to be good, and, and you know Dick always says, you know, do what you can do. Your, your race car is only as good as you know it's going to be. Green flag drops. That's what you got. But um, I know I know we're going to be good, and uh, I know if Schofield comes, he's going to be good. Uh, Wayne's obviously going to be fast. He, I mean. He could go to a dirt track with his asphalt car and be fast there. But, uh, you know, well, hopefully we're just as good as we have been there in the past. How much faster is it on the uh, with the new pavement? Uh, it's actually really fast. It has a ton of grip to it. Um, you know, it, it, you can get more aggressive with your setup. And, and, you know, the tires don't wear out as fast. So I look for the Governor's Cup to be, you know, a pretty fast-paced race. You know, it's going to be wide open from lap one because... Uh, I remember I went there and ran a 50 lapper, and, and I just wanted to see how hard, the, you know, how fast the tires would fall off. And I ran pretty hard from lap one, and, and they didn't fall off to to the end of the race. So I look for it to be pretty fast, and tracks nice. I like it. You know, I'm really proud you said that because I've had some people tell me, "Well, boy, these tires sure are falling off real fast." You know, just 15 <laughs> laps, they just go away. And I said, "Go work on your race car." Yeah, that's. You're probably pushing the right front off of it, and, and as soon as you start pushing the right front, you're gonna uh, you're gonna uh, you know start burning up the right rear as well. I I believe that somebody is gonna try to run 200 laps on a set of tires. Really? You watch. What's the deal there, Don? Do they? You just pit whenever you want to, right? It's a it's an open pit race. It's pit on whatever lap you like, and I I foresee somebody trying to short pit, not even change tires. And just come and get fuel. Yeah, you'd have dump, to get dump, fuel. Dump fuel and go. And if you got a good enough race car, I don't know how. I mean, I've seen them. I've I've tested it 150 laps, and I believe you can go 150, but I don't yeah. believe you can go 200. I want to see what's going to happen. The last 50 ought to be a heck of a race. Oh, uh, it's going to be. And I mean, uh, I don't know who they have all pre-registered or who's coming, but I imagine there's going to be quite a few cars. Schofield's won a lot of races this year. And, Wayne's going to be, like I said, Wayne's going to be strong like he always has been. Well, it's going to be a great race. I'll guarantee you that. There'll be a lot of big names there. And uh, whoever comes out to victory and gets the, you know, their name on the cup it will be uh, very well, proud, I'm sure. Y'all watch out for Russell because every time we have a long-distance race, yeah, anytime it's a 200-lap race, when the race is over with, Rogers and Russell are always in it. If you, if you paid attention to the oh, long-distance yeah. races, those two guys really see, always seem to come off at the end. Are always in that in that top three or four battles. So. No, David Rogers and Tim Russell, yeah, and no doubt, absolutely, that's a fact. They're like the old Jody Ridley of the old days. If you 
<laughs> if you ran 100 laps, he would be a lap down. If you ran 200 laps, he'd be second. If you ran 300 laps, he'd win by a lap. <laughs> <laughs> the longer it went, the better he got. Yeah, well, you, all the guys are probably lucky that Mike's, Mike Fritz, I imagine, isn't racing again. Yeah, that's what another thing they got going for him is that Mike Fritz probably won't be racing the Governor's Cup, but his, they'll have a car there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the ones that had me, after I found out who he was, that had me worried, um, you know, because he was always, every time he went to New Smyrna, he was extremely fast. Hey, Jeff, they're all worried about you. Oh, yep. God. They are. Yeah, they are. trust me. I race late models against these guys. I hear what they say. I know what's going on. They're worried about you, son, and all that equipment you got. They never, they never know what to expect from you, Jack. I think, I think Dick's car is the one to beat. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no question about that. It's been that way for years. Yeah, we'll have to see what in a little bit here. We'll have to see what Wayne has to say about that. Yeah, I mean Wayne's going to be running hard. I mean, just like. Uh, Jeff was just saying, these guys are going to be there wanting to win. These guys all have winning attitudes. That's what they're there for. And uh, when that when that happens and you throw 200 laps in the middle of it, and like uh, Don says, somebody's going to try to go. Somebody's going to short pit. You know, it just depends on how big a lead they have, where these other guys are after they pit. And, you know, strategy is uh, the number one thing when it comes to running long races. And, Wayne, yeah. and I guarantee you, Wayne's going to run 135 laps before he pits. <laughs> different people, different strategy. Wayne's going to go just as far as he can go before he hits the, before he hits that that pit line. It's just, and I love to see that kind of that kind of a race. And I think I, I think the smart guy would you run, you know, a hundred plus a little. Go in, get your four tires, get your fuel, and go. That's going to be the, well, the that's going to be the winner. In your case, if you've got the fastest car and the solidest car, that's going to that's going to stay right for. Uh, for a whole race, which you will have, because that, that's the nature of, of Dick. Uh, that's probably the thing to do is to run 100 laps halfway because that's as, that's as far as you go on that set of tires to get the other new set and go again. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. nice to have that rear weight. That rear weight, you need it. Yeah. <laughs> probably the ideal thing is, because every time I've seen Wayne, I don't, he's got that pin thing figured out. Probably just to follow him whenever he decides to pick. You know, to just go ahead and pit and follow him because every time I seen him, every time I seen him try to pit, you know, he he always is. You're like, oh, you know, hey, Wayne's pitting late. You know, he's done. Sure enough, here comes lap 180. Here he comes up to the here, front. So. Here comes Wayne again. Yeah, he's not going to be in a race anymore. <laughs> well, you definitely have an advantage if guys put 20 laps on their tires before you start putting laps on yours. You know, at the end, yeah. that's when it's going to show. Jeff, not it, it, it all matters how far you know how far you're going to be back, how many cars you know are coming with you, how well your pit crew guys oh, like you, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, now, not that you you lacked any confidence, but does uh, winning this championship this year in the ASA Southern Division uh, is that is that a boost to your uh, your confidence a little bit? Um, you know, it, it just it it helps out a little bit. Um, but I mean, you know. Racing up there with the ASA people and then coming back down here, you know, there's two totally different types of race cars, different types of series, and different caliber of drivers. Um, ASA has a lot younger group, and, uh, you know, they're just learning, you know, out there, you know, going, going for broke. And, uh, you know, you're racing with the Sun Belt that has more experienced people like Jeff Schofield, Wayne Anderson, uh, David Rogers, Jimmy Cope, you know, the more experienced group. and you know, a little bit smarter racer, but a little bit. It helps out. 
Yeah, it's a little bit, little bigger gunfight, huh? Have you looked at the uh, north-south race yet? If you hadn't noticed, they're going to run the ASA cars and the super late models. You're going to try to run both of them. Um, I don't know what I'm. I don't know. I I, I got to get my car ready to go up to Kentucky um, to to take it to the banquet because all the points leader, the points winners' cars go up there. So I'm not sure what I'm doing with my ASA car yet. Um, it just all depends. That have you running uh, a 25 lap ASA qualifier, a 100 lap uh, ASA race, a 100 lap south qualifier and a 200 lap main race in one weekend that ought to have your tongue hanging out yeah that'd be too many races too many laps <laughs> oh come on you're a young guy come man. on how old are you 22 maybe uh i'd be 21 in december <laughs> don 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 Darone could run all those laps he just said he could do it himself in an asa car at that'd be You'd be almost wide open the whole way around there. Man, yeah, that's, that's that's cool. Fact. That's cool breezing it at Lakeland, though. You know, that's just to sit back and just drive. Sit back and drive, especially with the yeah, ASA car. You get in the car and ride with him, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, we're going to have to let you go because uh, your car owner's waiting for us to call him right now. Okay. He can probably do a lot better talking than I can. You did fine, man, as always. Good Thanks, to you guys. See you this weekend. Take it Good easy. Luck, man. See ya. Jeff Chouquette. How, how are you hanging out there, Don? Is it time to go get a Budweiser, man? Ah, uh, you know I don't drink my, I don't drink any beer, so I'm safe. All right, good. We'll be right back. Everson driver, the number one open wheel modified and number ninety four super late model, and you are listening to Real Racing USA on Short Track America. Bud Light presents Real American Heroes. Real American Heroes. Today we salute you. Mr. Bumper Sticker Writer. Mr. Bumper Sticker Writer. Never has one man written so much for so many. Without you, the world may never have known you can't hug with nuclear arms. And just like you, I too would rather be fishing, or square dancing, or even shopping. Oh, yeah. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. You said it, brother. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh, bar to the bumper. Thanks to you, I know it's perfectly all right to honk if I'm horny. Honk, honk, beep, beep, honk. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Powermaster is your ASA series sponsor for the XS Power Batteries. Powermaster is pleased to announce the introduction of the XS Power series of batteries, XX Power Batteries for racing applications, and batteries for your car audio application. 12-volt batteries for street machines, street rods, off-road vehicles, and even motorcycles. XS Power Batteries means 30% more power and no battery spilling. Powermaster also carries your starters and alternators. Visit us on the web at www.powermastermotorsports.com. Purchasing a technical product like brakes, there is no substitute for quality and experience. In the performance industry, no one has more experience than the Brakeman. The Brakeman has been designing high-performance solutions for a variety of applications for almost 40 years. The current products from the Brakeman are among the most advanced on the market. The Tornado calipers are the only calipers in the performance industry to carry a U.S. patent number and their new line of pads and rotors. The Brakeman Super Brakes are solving brake problems on hard-use vehicles, from police cars to ambulances and a variety of fleet vehicles. So if you're towing a trailer, 
carrying heavy loads, or just plain want to extend the life and stopping power of your vehicle, it's time to call The Brakeman on the web at thebrakeman.com. We're back with Inside Florida Racing, and uh, we have another very special guest on the phone, Rob. Dickie Anderson, uh, you there, Dickie? Yeah, buddy. I, I can just barely hear you, but go ahead. Well, I'll try to speak up. Um, we've got Don Narone on the line here, along with uh, myself and Cece and uh, Jack, and we're uh, talking about the Governor's Cup. We just got done talking to your man, uh, Jeff Choquette, there, and uh, uh, what a outstanding uh young man he's been in in your uh, car and uh talk to us a little bit about the uh upcoming governor's cup and uh, your expectations well i feel like i've got a car that's very capable of winning the race and i've got a driver that's very capable of winning the race so if the racing gods smile upon us and we don't have any misfortune i, I can't promise you we're going to win it but I, I feel like we'll be we'll still be in contention for the win absolutely uh, uh talk to us a little bit about uh uh, preparation, Dick. You know, a lot of people listen to the, uh, us talk about these cars all the time, and uh, we always talk about the race. You know, uh, talk to us a little bit about the preparation that you've got to go through with uh, your, your car, and then having a, you know Jeff driving it. What what's involved with that? Well, if I tell you the, if I tell you the truth, you won't believe me, but uh, uh, we, we we won the last race in what I thought was convincing style. We had to go to the rear. We had a flat. Went to the rear, which is about 25th position, and passed every car on the track, won the race in convincing style. And I'll assure you, we've got a minimum of 100 hours in that car since then, you know. And everybody goes, how could you possibly, the car just flew and won the race. What could you possibly do? But, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the amount of time you put in a car is what separates the winners from the losers. Yeah, we were talking to uh, Jeff about what it was like to drive for you Um because uh, winning is a hundred percent what you're after, and uh, from all the years of racing that you've done, um, it's some big shoes for Jeff to fill. And uh, he says sometimes it's a uh, tough. Sometimes it's a what? Sometimes it's a little tough. Well, you know, uh, uh, Jeff. You know, if, if he's been under any pressure, he ain't showed it. <laughs> Uh, when I was his age, I was uh, under so much pressure and so nervous. And when he's at the races, he just blows my mind how calm he is. You know. But uh, and then really it's a good thing because then it actually makes me even a little calm. You know when I see him that calm. But uh, you know it's nice. It's nice, Dick, when you're calm. <laughs> well, I might have even exaggerated. I'm never calm. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. but just to see a young driver that calm, I, I, I was never that way, I, and I couldn't be that way. And and uh, and uh, he just shows he just shows a calmness that's very rare at that age. You know, but. Uh, I, I would like to think it was because he's got confidence in his equipment, but but that would uh, that probably wouldn't be true. But uh, uh, I just feel like we've got a wonderful shot at the Governor's Cup, whether we win it or not. Who knows? There's a million things can happen. But I feel like there's I feel like we're one of three or four cars that's got a good chance. Well, Dick, how long has he been uh, driving for you? Say that, say that again. How long has Jeff been driving for you? Uh, gosh, just this year, I think. And We've only ran the car, I think, six times, and yeah, he's won four or five of those six times. Uh, and uh, only times he hasn't won is when the, uh, you know the cars had a mechanical problem. But, uh, uh, you know, he's uh, uh, we've just uh, it's been it's been really a good uh, pairing putting men and him together. Well, what was it about him that um, that made you want him to be the driver of your car? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, ever since I've, ever since he started, he's he's been able to go fast, but. 
uh, he was just like I was when I was young. You know, he was just running over too much stuff and all. And about a year ago, uh, I watched him run a race at Bradenton where he ran side-by-side side with uh, Jeff Schofield for uh, over 100 laps and uh, and never touched Jeff. He ended up running second. He didn't win it, but he just showed such maturity. So uh, it, it kind of caught my eye. And then after mm-hmm. that, I started, I started keeping a closer eye on him. And, and he just showed such maturity at that age. Going fast was never a problem for him. But uh, he liked, he you know naturally he was only about eighteen at the time. He he liked the maturity and and when I seen him, it's it like he almost matured overnight. And right now, I'm telling you what, uh, I guarantee you if you check the st- statistics, he finishes more races than anybody anybody racing right now. So uh, naturally, I, w- I wanted my son to drive my car, but that uh, that's kind of an impossibility with his commitments and my commitments and everything. And to be honest, uh, other than my son, I think Jeff's the best driver in the state. Speaking of your son. Uh... Uh, he did good uh, racing on uh, Saturday night out there with us. Uh. Well, uh, to be honest, he was off Saturday night. He's usually not off that much. But, I mean, he still ran third, which is a good finish. But uh, that's about as far off as you'll ever see him, and he still hung in there. Any, anybody else would have ran tenth in that thing because uh, it definitely wasn't handling for him. There was a problem somewhere there. And uh, that was a tenth-place car, and he still ran third with it. So he did a great job, but uh, even though he wasn't in contention for the win. Yeah, because we've seen Wayne jump up on the outside down in Charlotte and run the outside when everybody was saying, you can't run outside there, and he, <laughs> we've seen him do it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I was really looking forward. I hadn't been down there in the last few years, and I heard how good he's running down there, and I was actually looking forward to him putting on a good show, and it didn't materialize, you know, but... Uh, like I say, he still did a good job running third. But man, I was I was looking for him to be able to give him a race, you know. I tried to put on a good show for you too, Dick. Since you hadn't seen me race in a long time, it just didn't work you're, out. You're always a show, man. What the heck? Whether <laughs> <laughs> you're in the back or the front, you're a show. <laughs> well, I think I think it was a good race, and all the fans really appreciated the effort that all the drivers put into it Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. I was I was really happy. I hadn't been there, and I don't know five or six eight ten years i don't know i haven't been there in a long time and it was nice it looked like some, it looked like uh, somebody's put some effort in the racetrack the track was much nicer than what i remembered and mm-hmm. and uh, and i'm telling you what the, the racing i don't know how anybody could ask for any better racing yeah i mean it was it was a good time and the weather was just perfect racing weather right now how about it yeah i mean right down to the last lap you didn't you weren't sure who was gonna win it that's right you got that right yeah all the way to the last lap that was yeah. a definite uh race to the end okay well uh we're going to talk to uh wayne and in, in, in a, a few minutes uh dick, about the uh, upcoming governor's cup go ahead Jack. I, I was going to ask you know dick you you have won uh two of these races and uh you know and you and you've seen and been in many many governor's cup races uh-huh. tell the fans what is it what is it about that race uh that makes it special that's that that's our Daytona 500. You know that's the best way I can explain to it. You know the way all the Winston Cup drivers, Nextel Cup drivers, whatever you want to call them, that Daytona 500. I don't care how many of the Nextel Cup races they win, none of them are like winning the Daytona 500. And the Governor's Cup is our Daytona 500. You know, and uh, it's just uh, uh, there's not. Uh, we've only got two races, as far as I'm concerned, that 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 have any history and that really mean something to a lot of people, and that's the Governor's Cup and the Snowball Derby. So. Uh, I think Wayne's won every major race except the uh, Governor's Cup, and I'd love to see him win it. Naturally, I'd like to see my car win first, but if I can't win it, I'd love to see Wayne uh, at least get that under his belt because I think that's the only major race he hasn't won. Yeah, what? Hey, Dick. Hey, hey Dick. 
Yes, sir. I remember. I remember when he won Nashville. That was the other race that used to be the the race to win. It was win the All American Four Hundred, and I was yes. there with you with you when Wayne won the All American Four Hundred. I think you were happier than he was. That was a great experience right there. And All-American 400 used to be the granddaddy of all the races, and it's it's lost its luster now, you know. as They're trying to bring it back, and, and I really hope it happens. But but right now, the Governor's Cup and Snowball Derby, I mean, that's what's happening in the South. How many times did you almost win the Governor's Cup? Try that one. Well, you know, I should have probably won it <laughs> ten times, but I'm tickled death to have won it twice, you know. I, I started yeah. trying to win it in 1972. And I think it was uh, 1990 or something when I finally won it. So that's a lot of trying, you know. And uh, so when I when I finally won it, you know, it's like most things. When you finally do it, it's not that hard afterwards. But man, with the quality of drivers, I mean, I could just it was like it, it was like a who's who in racing, you know. So everybody uh, that comes to the race comes to win it. That's the kind of race you like to be at. Exactly. And you know, if you won that one, everybody knew your name after you won that one. That's the joke I was talking about earlier with. Chiquette, when he won the race, I didn't know what his name was. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I had never met him to know who he was. And you know what? No. And, to, and to be honest, it's sad to say, but he probably doesn't appreciate winning the race as much as he should, uh, you know, because he wasn't there back in the 70s when Ed Howe and Dick Trickle and Bob Seneker and everybody that was anybody in racing uh, was trying to win that thing, you know. And uh, and uh, that, well, that just shows how good Jeff was. I mean, he come along and won it right off the bat uh, the first couple of years in his career, you know. But the, uh, but I'm sure he couldn't appreciate the history that went along with it. Well, since he got in your car, he just looks like a complete different driver. Well, you know. It's not, just, that, a, just a whole different thing. And he, doesn't, and he doesn't look like Dick in the car any way, shape, or form. He drives the car completely different than the way I did, but with the same results. And to be honest, I wish I could have drove more like him when I was his age, you know. If I could have had uh, uh, his demeanor and his patience and all, uh, I won a lot of races, but I would have won a whole lot more. So uh, he's he's uh, way ahead of his years, you know. Well, I'm going to turn this turn this show loose. I got something I got to go do. But uh, All right, Don, appreciate you hanging out with us, man, and uh, we'll see you whoever, Saturday. Whoever, win, whoever wins is going to make me happy. I'm just going to be happy that I get to go there again and as long as Don Rohn's alive, he'll be at the Governor's Cup. I promise you that. Well, Don, thanks for carrying the race on. Well, all right, buddy. Nice talking with you. <coughs> Dick. All right. Good night, Don. Uh, look forward to seeing you, buddy. Hey, uh, Dick, Dick, change, uh, change topic just for a minute here now that we got you. What do you think about the Ocala deal going to dirt? We're going to talk to Mike Peters here in a little bit around 9 o'clock and uh, get some questions answered. What do you think about that old deal? What's your... Well, um, actually, I'm sad about it because, uh, uh, you know, I've uh, I've really enjoyed the last 10 years of Ocala. And Wayne, uh, uh, Wayne's got Ocala hammered like I had Palm Beach back in the 70s and 80s. But, uh, uh, you know, he, it's, it's, it's almost like a benefit for him every time they hold up Powell Memorial. So I know Wayne's going to hate to see it go. But the main reason I hate to see it go uh, uh, is not because of my and Wayne's involvement, but because we've just... We've got more and more asphalt tracks dropping by the wayside, and I don't see new ones being built. You know, very few new ones are being built. So, uh, for every one new one that's built, there's four or five that closes, so I, uh, or, or goes to dirt or something. So I hate to see it in that aspect. And and it was one of the few tracks left where the drivers is uh, seventy to eighty percent of the equation. Uh, most of your tracks nowadays, the drivers only about thirty or forty percent. 
And with Ocala, uh, it was just the opposite. The driver was 70 or 80%, and there's so few of those tracks left. That's interesting. The short tracks are definitely falling by the wayside, and, you know, you don't, you don't really realize it until, um, you know, if, if another one closes up. Say something happened to DeSoto, something happened in Charlotte County, you know, another one of them closed up, then, then where are you going to race? You know, something happened to Citrus. What, what's going to happen? And and what is this? In, in what is the solution to this problem? So we don't face that here, you know, in Florida. So we can still continue as race fans. It's an economic disaster that's bound to happen on its own. What do you think, Dick? Well, you know, uh, uh, like I hate to say it, but I've been around forever, and I'm getting a different view on things than I had when I was wide open racing. But if all the racers would just understand that these racetracks, in order for us to keep them, they need your support. They need you when you uh, the weeks that you're not racing. They need you to go watch the races, and I, I I just see so many of the racers giving the racetracks a hard time instead of giving them the support that the racetracks need. And you just got to understand, without our support, we're, uh, we're cutting our nose off to spite our face. We, we you know we go and try to fight against the racetrack, and, we're, and in essence, you're fighting against yourself because once that racetrack's gone, you've only hurt yourself. So uh, I've got a lot of racetracks where I'm not nuts about the promoter, and I'm not nuts about who owns it, but I would still like to support it. Uh, and it's just you just get so it's, I just see the the support dwindling away. Uh, you know, I think amen to that. You know, I, I uh, anybody that's been following Carnac since I started, I mean, I spent the first three or four years in a constant fight with promoters and whatnot, and I realized after a point, and now I, I totally agree with what you just said. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff I disagree with about things, but you know what? It's not important. For our racing to survive, what, what all, our, all of these racers don't understand is we all need to be part-time uh, promoters. Yeah. Uh, we all need to promote our sport and promote our racetrack. And, and every other racer I talk to is trying to run his racetrack into the ground, and and uh, and bitching and complaining about everything, and bitching and complaining about the, to everybody to listen to them. Well, you know, to me, this has got a negative effect. That's going to come back and hurt you when all at once you don't even have that racetrack there to race at. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if all the racers, fact. if all the racers, racers would go out and try to promote their racetrack and their sport a little bit more, I'm telling you what, we uh, you'd see a whole lot uh, more racetracks that are open and staying open and. Uh, uh, it's like I say, maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. But Miss Brooks, did that answer your question? Yes, it did. Thank you. <laughs> You're absolutely right, um, and that's that's why uh, self promotion is the best thing to do when it comes to uh, talking about the track. Even if you're mad, I get aggravated sometimes at calls that are made against me and stuff. But I always come back and say, it's not the track. Well, you know, support Dick, the track. Absolutely, and Dick, I'll tell you that little thing that you just said. Uh, that's probably going to be replayed on our shows. Uh, hundreds of times because well, if ever if, if every race if everybody involved w- with the racing would just become a part time promoter, you'd see our you'd see our sports get back on its feet. Because coming from you, that means something. You know, like I could say that, or Rob could say that, but coming from you, I think it has a little more clout. And I appreciate you actually. Well, I'm one of saying that. It's been on both sides of the fence. I've had a racetrack. I've promoted. You know, I've been on the promotion side and I've been on the racing side. And I tell you what. I used to be. I used to be one of them. Uh, one of them always complaining and everything too. Once I had a racetrack, after that, when I went back racing, I was the promoter's best friend. You know, it was kind of like instead of pulling in the racetrack and arguing, I, I pulled in the racetrack, wanted to know what I could do to help. All right. Well, that's that comes with uh, that comes with being a veteran, man. You've seen both sides of it. 
you've won many races, you know, and you've accomplished a lot of things. And, um, you know, like Jack says, many people will uh, listen to uh, this show that we've done tonight. And, uh, you know, that's why we do these things so people can understand, you know, great racers like yourself or just, you know, regular people. And uh, um, you supported many racetracks over the years, haven't you? I've, I've supported some and I've hurt some. I've hurt some by, by actually uh, with, without trying to pat myself on the back. I really, <clears throat> there were some racetracks I really hurt when I was winning every week, and I didn't realize how bad that was really hurting the racetrack, you know. But uh, nowadays the competition has gotten so tough that uh, that doesn't happen like it did uh, 20 years ago, you know. Uh, nowadays the competition is so tough, you're, that's one problem they really don't have. You're yeah. right. You're right about that. You don't see the same guy winning all the time anymore. Well, we'll, we'll. I used to think that in uh, in all forms of racing, and that's Dell Cup too. But Jimmy Johnson's just proved us all wrong, you know. Yeah, they've hit on something, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looks like his championship is getting closer. Now, Dick, I thought you didn't pay no attention to them, them wrestling guys. What's that? I said I thought you didn't pay no attention to them wrestling guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Hey, it's the show. You got to watch it every now and then. It's, it's about to come to an end. We're gonna have to be watching what. College football, that's yeah. what's coming for us. That's what I was preaching, the promotional part. We, we, we all need to start banding together and promoting our tracks or we're not going to have any. Mm-hmm. You know, something, something that uh, I think is that, you know, it's so hot during the summertime. Why do, why do the local tracks take their break during the, the, the best part of the year? I, would I, love, you know, there's, uh, uh, I forget where I was that they did that. I would love to see tracks take uh, down here. I would love to see them take July and August off, you know, just a two-month break. Yeah, and, and 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 then if they want to, you know, uh, uh, pick back up in January a little quicker than what they do. You know, I think we start back uh, basically in February. Right. You know? Take July and August off, and then pick back up. You know, the second or third week in January. Yeah, well, that, that makes, all that makes sense because, in, especially in Florida, that's you normally two of our uh, heaviest months for rain. Right. And when you get, I mean, everybody gets ready to go racing, and then you have a, a rain out. You know, yeah. that gets frustrating. It turns a lot of people off. When right. you when you have your track owner hat on, though, you think a little bit different about that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that by the time you get to July or August, you almost need a, a, a week or two break to kind of get your equipment and your and yourself caught back up a little bit. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I just uh, uh, any more any more. We're only off for like a uh, you know uh, uh, people that really want to race. You can race darn near all year round anymore. You know. But uh, it wouldn't hurt me to see them take uh, July or, uh, the month of July or the uh, month of August off. That's for sure. It's just too hot and it rains. It just messes everything up, you know. When nothing sucks worse than going to a rain out when you've been there all day and it rains out. Exactly. I've been racing for six months. You need a week or two break to get caught back up. Well, Dick, listen, another great interview you've done with us. I really appreciate your time. Um, good luck at the Governor's Cup. I hope that, you know, that Jeff can pull it out for you. If not, then I hope Wayne comes in there for you to bring the family name there. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dick, and uh, we'll see you this weekend. We're going to talk to Wayne here in a few minutes and see what he, he's got to say. I love talking with you guys. See you later. We love talking to you. Take Bye. it easy. Bye-bye. All right, there you have it, folks. Dick Anderson, King Dick, uh, that was great, you know, uh, Jeff Choquette, you know, all he's got to do is keep listening, keep listening to Dick, and keep driving like he is, and I think uh, I think he might have a future as young as he is, you know, and as good as he's driving that car. Long I, career, uh, yep. Yeah, well, he just needs a shot, man. Uh, anyway, let's go to a break and uh, catch up with Wayne, okay? All right. Driver of the number one open wheel modified and number 94 super late model. And you are listening to Real Racing USA on Short Track America. 
Bud Light presents Real American Heroes. Real American Heroes. Today we salute you, Mr. Bumper Sticker Writer. Mr. Bumper Sticker Writer. Never has one man written so much for so many. Without you, the world may never have known you can't hug with nuclear arms. And just like you, I too would rather be fishing, or square dancing, or even shopping. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. You said it, brother. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh bar to the bumper. Thanks to you, I know it's perfectly all right to honk if I'm horny. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Power Master is your ASA series sponsor for the XS Power Batteries. Power Master is pleased to announce the introduction of the XS Power series of batteries, XX Power Batteries for racing applications, and batteries for your car audio application. 12-volt batteries for street machines, street rods, off-road vehicles, and even motorcycles. XS Power Batteries means 30% more power and no battery spilling. Power Master also carries your starters and alternators. Visit us on the web at www.powermastermotorsports.com. <laughs> you like that, don't you? You like oh, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Woohoo! We're having lots of fun up here in the tower. Inside yeah. Florida Racing, uh, well, having another great show. Well, uh, you know, we're calling it the Anderson Factor. I mean, you got Jeff Chouquet, who's uh, one of the top guns driving for Dick Anderson, and the other one is, uh, of course, Wayne Anderson in the number 84. And uh, welcome to Inside Florida uh, Racing, uh, Wayne. Hey, thanks for having me on. Anytime, Wayne. What's happening? Uh, just working on my hot rod here, there, Bonehead. Yeah, well, well you, at least you managed to avoid uh, running into Bonehead on. Uh, <laughs> on, uh, I was telling him he hit. I even played the piece from uh, uh, Days of Thunder. I mean, he hit everything but the pace car out there on Saturday night. I mean, well, I'll tell you what, Jack. We took five race cars down there, and I think two of them got boneheads. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. But you know, one time it was okay because uh, I, uh, I the oil pump broke, it locked up, so. Probably broke a valve spring or something. I ain't had a chance to check it out, but that's usually well, what happened. That motor up, uh, you gonna get you a spec motor now, Rob? Nah, I don't know. I, I didn't tear the motor up. I better <laughs> not have. Don't say that. Hi, Wayne. <laughs> it's CC Brooks. Congratulations on your third place finish Saturday night. It was a great race. I really enjoyed watching you. Well, I'm, I appreciate that. It was uh, that was kind of one of my worst runs down there. It's a shame that uh, I wasn't a little more on my game than I was Saturday night. Well, but still, I, I, you know, I was out there with the rest of the fans, and we all really, you know, appreciated the effort that you know everybody put out there on Saturday night. We all had a great time. Well, well I tell you what, uh, Port Charlotte has really, or Charlotte County Speedway, uh, Punta Gorda, they have really come a long ways, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful now. It's like a real racetrack. I just every time I go there, I just see the improvements, and I'm just. Uh, I'm really happy for Bobby. I, I really see a lot of people. I, I don't want to say just Bobby, but there's a lot of people there put a lot of hard work in, and I'll tell you what, it's starting to pay off down there. Well, it was certainly a good showing of cards that we had for the race the other night. You know, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm sad to hear that you weren't on your game because I, I thought when I just ran a tenth slower than you in qualifying, I was really happy. Well, I think what it was a good run for you. <laughs> now, Wayne, you're heading up this weekend to the Governor's Cup, correct? Yes, Absolutely. I sure am. Tell us about how your plan is to win this thing. What's what's some strategy you're working on? 
Well, I tell you right now, since they've paved the place, it is extremely fast. And uh, the last time I went over there, maybe a month ago, and I went over there with my old car, my old motor, and I tell you what, uh, I got my tail handed to me. Yeah, that bad, huh? That bad. You got to have all you got, and hope you got uh, enough motor now. And I, we just got our Ford motor back from Jeff Hamner, and I, I feel real good going into this weekend. So Ford's going to be the the trick, huh? Well, I hope so. You know, they're they're fast when that while they're alive. Uh, I've ran this thing, I think, uh, six times this year, and uh, it's tore up twice on me. So you know, look at the percentages. Hopefully, it's. Uh, I just got it back. It's fresh, and I hope it's going to be really good for the next uh, little bit for me. <laughs> so uh, tell everybody now, Wayne, uh, you don't have to really blow out exactly what you're going to do, but um, give us your thoughts on this 200 laps and pitch strategy and stuff like that, because I just heard somebody talk about what they thought Wayne was going to do. He's going to run 135 laps, and then he was going to pit. Well, I tell you, what, the, whoever told you is pretty good. I just feel like <laughs> if I pit early there's usually a big wreck after that. Every right. time I seem like I pit early, you're, you're, you're trying to miss a, a big wreck. If I pit late, it seems like that I've, uh, they've already... Well, let me put this to you this way. I pitted uh, two years ago. I pitted late, and I, I got to Mike Fritz's bumper at the finish line, and I needed like two more laps. So um, you can't wait too late, and you can't do it too early as far as I'm concerned. Now, how many laps uh, go by, Wayne, while you're in the pits at that track during the race? You go down a couple laps when you pit? Mm-mm. Well, no, because the way they have the rules in Sunbelt Series is you can't lose a lap, uh, uh, Rob. Okay. You, know, you can pit during caution if it takes you five laps. As long as there's five, you know, as long as the caution's still out, you can pull out and you ain't lost a single lap. Okay. You know, but you will lose your spot. If you come in third and, you know, uh, a couple guys beat you out of the pits, you could be fifth, sixth, or seventh. Yeah, well, let's take a scenario that'll never happen. Let's say it goes green for 125 laps. I'm <laughs> what if the caution doesn't come out? Well, you know it's a crazy what if, but well, I'm gonna tell you the what if. You're you're kind of right, but I'm gonna run until I'm out of gas. There you go. So, so is it more based on listening to, well, lis- listening to your car and 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 the feel that you're getting and and what the 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 car lead cars in front of you or around you is going to help you make the decision of when you're going to go in? You're kind of right. You're, you're you're dead on there. I mean, if I'm running third or fourth in the top two or three pit. And, and I'm I'm starting to go away. I'm gonna pit, I'm gonna pit with them. You mm-hmm. know? And, uh, hopefully, my guys in the pits are gonna get me ahead of a couple, and uh, I'm gonna come out uh, a little better than they were. So you've never won this cup before, right? I've won it twice. Twice you have won it twice. Yeah. Twice. So then you're really familiar then um, what all's involved here. Oh yeah, I've I've been racing that race since 1988, and my dad has won it twice, and I've won it twice. So uh, I feel very pri- privileged to have won that. I bet you do, because looking at the field of uh, guys that have raced over the years there um, and looking at the uh, top ten stats, man, there's all kinds of drivers in there mixed in right in with your name when you were racing. But, Wayne, do you feel any pressure since you are a two-time pass winner? Do you feel any pressure, any performance pressure for coming up this Saturday? You know, no, I don't. I used to. I used to feel like I have a ton of pressure on me, but... You know, I have been fortunate enough to win about every single major short track race in this state. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to prove to nobody. Well, you know, that's a great attitude to be going into the race with. Well, that's because that's why Wayne's so cool at the racetrack. <laughs> He's yeah. really never too keyed up, you know. Cece, give you an idea. Wayne won the race in '99. Okay. Came in second in 2001. Mm-hmm. Won it in 2003. Came in second in 2005. Like that. 
Yeah. Been very fortunate. I think last year I led the most laps. I think I led 140 laps before I got caught up in a wreck. So, wow. I, mean, I, I have a, I have, let me tell you something. I have a great car owner who puts a lot of effort into my racing, mm-hmm. and it's really paid off. He has given me the equipment that I need to run up front, and I've had that equipment since 2003, and, uh, I think my wins have showed that, and and it's just, uh, you know, you just have to be at the right place at the right time. It's no different than a snowball derby. You just have to have your pitting right, and when it's when when it's your time, it's your time, and you just have to be on your game. Tell us about your car owner, man. My car owner is Larry Calabrese. He's out of uh, Hialeah. He owns uh, Airframe International, and they rebuild airplane wings and nose and instrument clusters and all that stuff right down there in uh, Miami, and he's just a... Uh, a dedicated car owner, and he's been with me now. I think we're on five years, and and we're as good of friends as we are uh, you know, business partners. Yeah, I did see quite a few uh, cars Saturday night that said airframe on it. Yes, yeah, like you said, spinning me out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. But, I mean, I'm not mad at anybody, but you know, no. that's just racing. Well, here's the thing, and, and and I think I think Rob will agree to this. It's a it's becoming a new era. Young kids, absolutely. It's, um, you know, at times I just want to pull my hair out. Well, Wayne, how do you feel about the 13- and 14-year-olds that were out on the track with you Saturday night? Well, (laughs) mixed emotions. (laughs) You know, first thing is, you know, one of them was my son. I was going to say, you can't say anything (laughs) bad about him because one was his son. I don't, I I don't, (laughs) let me tell you Yeah, but do you worry racing against them or do you, is it sort of in the back of your mind to watch out for them? Well, here's your problem you have. When one of them 13 or 14 or 15-year-olds knock you out, and it's like, hey, I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm not ready for a 15-year-old to come in and turn me around. Right. How, how do you handle it? I used to handle it with fisticuffs, and that ain't really uh-huh. got me very far in racing. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You know, uh, it just puts you in a bad spot, and I feel like at times it puts a lot of other drivers in a bad spot. And I'm just as, you know, I feel like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth because I have my son running out there. But the reason why I have him run a late model is he was very fortunate to win the Quick Kids Championship uh, over in the Fast Car Series this year. And we'd go there, and these parents are putting four tires on their son, on their kid's truck, and we're spending $100 getting in, $100 in fuel, and by the time it was over, we'd spend six or $700 to run for a trophy. Well... I have an old late model here that I put Randy in, and he can run my old tires. He's there with me, and it's something I relate to. I've, I've worked on these late models for so long, I know right where I'm at. These trucks, they're metric chassis. They're stuff that I haven't really fooled with, and I just felt like it was just best for me to put him in this late model and let him just just start out. And that's what the, the plan was the other night was just for him to, uh, to run until he got lapped, and then he was supposed to pull out. And, and your son, that's the, the number 86, Randy, right? Yes. Well, so let's let's talk a little. Take, take your dad hat off now, and, and, and let's t- keep that driver's hat on, and, and let's talk about these young drivers, because they asked me about it earlier, and I was sort of the same way, mixed emotions. You know, I thought that the other night, really, that, that they weren't an issue any more than some of the guys we've been driving with for years, the way they drive. And, and you know what? You're, you're, you hit the nail on the head, and, and I appreciate you making that comment, you know, because I, I just, it just, it's different for me to put Randy in a late model than it is other people. I'm just fortunate enough that we have a few late models here. He's able to run some of our old takeoffs and old stuff. I, think, I ain't spending a, a ton of money for him to, to race that. And I just felt like the way Bobby has everything set up down there, 
that you can spend so much track time, you get so much seat time in them late models down there, or, or any race vehicle down there, he gives you a lot of time to be on the racetrack. And I just felt like that was a, a start for Randy, and uh, I plan on keeping him there for quite a while. That's great. Now, the young drivers like this, they don't, do, do they show up at the Governor's Cup? Uh, I want to hope that they don't. Okay. Uh, it's not something they could do. Kurt, Kurt Jett was a, uh, He's a kind of young one. He 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 finished tenth, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you know Kurt, right? Yes. Yeah, he. I think he was about the youngest they had there. You need you need some racing seat time, really, to perform um, at that racetrack. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff Choquette came in there and he won with that car, but he'd had a lot of seat time. Okay, he had a lot of seat time. So you take some of these kids that are racing these cars, say that have been racing the trucks. Or like his son Randy, oh yeah, again, no. you would not want to throw them in that kind of situation because no. I agree with him in the short tracks um, that we have here, these quarter mile tracks really that we're racing on. That's the perfect place for them to be, as long as they've got somebody on the radio that's that, that's helping them. You know, hey, when when these, when this guy's faster, if you're holding a whole line of cars up, then just let's move over and you can still learn mm-hmm. how to race behind. Them. Yes, Jeff was young. Jeff Choquette was young at, when he went to, to and won the Governor's Cup, but he was no rookie. He had been racing against the top late model dirt racers in the country. Yeah, but let me just tell you this: when Jeff Choquette came in there, his first year race. He was there. I raced with him a little bit at Braden, and he actually won the Governor's Cup, I think, his first year. That's right. Was really good to race with. The second year, the kid was a weapon. Right. And now I feel like he's kind of got his talent back, and he's racing a racer like he should. And that's the biggest problem I see that maybe Rob would understand or different other laymall drivers would understand. We've, we've been doing this for, for a long time, and when a young kid comes in with not very much experience, runs all over top of you, you're, you're very upset. It's like, hey, you, you know, we've been here a long time. Am I running over you? Have I ran over? That's right. No, I haven't. And it's not appreciated. Well, that's that's what makes makes a, a real rounded driver is I'm the same way. I try my, my damnedest not to spin anybody out. If I'm put to the rear and I'm trying to make my way to the front, man, I'll ride behind you and ride behind you until I get that moment to go. But getting turned around by some of these young guys, it does work on us a little bit. Um, I think that uh, I think that we're going to get over it because the young guys are eventually going to take over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. so. and, and I've been I've been one of the ones, and I tell you, you know, um, and like I say, I'm not the best one to talk to about it because I've sat here and went to get, you know went against basically everything that I've talked about for the last two or three years was putting these young kids in these late models. And you know, like the other night, um, the car that came out of my race car shop was Matt Bowers in the '84X caused numerous cautions did did the kid mean to absolutely did not mean to but did he do it yeah he did and you know you just got to look at what you, you know and they wanted to kind of go to new smyrna and i just felt very strongly against it and after the after saturday night they believed in that and they thought that hey they're not ready to go to new smyrna so so then is matt a a new driver he's or? he's ran a few times in a limited late model or a truck and all that but he was under the Mark Martin development program, and and when Ginn pulled out, it left a lot of them young drivers on the sidelines. And basically, he came over to to my shop, and we took a car that he had bought. It just happened to be one of my old cars, and we went to work on it. He went down there, he qualified six, and if he would have just finished the race, he'd had one of the most outstanding performances. It was just 
starting, qualifying sixth, and finishing with defenders on, but gotten a bunch of little altercations, and, and it's a shame because uh, very, very nice young boy, and you just hate to see that. And, and he'll learn, Wayne, just like we when we started, what he should do in a super late model race is he should start in the rear, start in the rear and work your way to the front. That's how I learned how to race my first late model races I ever raced. I started in the back. My first Florida Pro races I started. I started in the back because uh, my dad used to tell me, son, you ain't ever going to be any good getting past. you got to learn how to pass people. And the way you do that is to start in the back start work your way up so you know different dads they think different ways and and they're they've got the money now to put these kids in there i know that you and i didn't get a chance to race the late model uh when we were uh, any of those ages um things have changed that's well, all there is to it yeah well basically for me you know i think my dad would have put me in a late model if i w- if he would have had the money or in because i felt like i spent enough time in the race car shop learning that thing but he didn't have it. But he, you know what he had? Had a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I just I soaked it all in, and I knew more about a race car before I ever drove it. So um, it, it, t- times have changed. Things are different. Um, like I say, my son's got a, you know. Let me tell you, got a long way to go. Long way to go. But you got to start somewhere. And I just felt like down at Charlotte County Speedway, with the amount of track time that they give you down there. It was the best place for my son to start. Yeah, there's nothing like racing track time because practice track time is only that. This that what you learn during a hundred lap race where you have to be in that car till the race is over and deal with it every corner, every lap. That's where you really do learn. So uh, he definitely learned some things the other night. I bet. Well let, well, let me add to this: the reason why my son pulled out the other night, he didn't get lapped. It's just that his radio went dead and he didn't feel comfortable out there without somebody talking to him. Yeah, that, he cool. made a wise choice then. And, I, you know, i got to give him credit for that. And we, you know what? We brought this race car home. All the fenders are on it. He didn't tear nothing up. There you go. go and, and go again. So, uh, yeah, like I said, we're, we're, we've probably gotten off track of what you all called me about, but uh, I have mixed emotions with young drivers. And, and you know, what are we going to do? You know, I mean, it's just a new era. Well, I guess I, as a mom <laughs> and a race fan, I sort of looked. I, I sort of looked, and I, I couldn't ever imagine um, as a parent what that would feel like. But I think your son has a great advantage because uh, because of the fact of all your experience and knowledge that he's you know getting from you and the guidance that you give him, um, you know, really makes a difference as compared to maybe some a, a, a young boy that's being put into racing from a dad that doesn't have the racing background to guide him. Well, the dads that are smart go find the people who have the knowledge, mm-hmm. there you go. and they hire them. That's and that's basically what what uh, Matt Bauer's father did. He's he come and found me, and then I was going to be, you know, I was going to have my hands full down there this past weekend. So I asked my dad to go. My dad went down there and helped him. And and like I say, the out, outcome didn't come out like we wanted it to. But all in all, I thought I thought the kid did a very good job of getting behind the wheel and and getting after it. And there's kids that you have to turn around and you have to push them to go fast. And there's kids that you gotta, you know, try to slow down. Well, mm-hmm. It just so happens Matt Bowers is one that you gotta try to slow down. And you know, I'm not saying that my son's not one that I kind of have to push forward. So, so there's there, there's there's just different kids out there. And as long as you know they have an education, they don't act like a punk. Mm-hmm. They put forth the effort. Uh, some of these kids will make it. 
I think there's something too what you say there about after they drive for a year or a season or so, and then the next season they come back because they think they know everything, and they, they turn into weapons out there. Um, it is definitely uh, good that you're getting a chance to train some of these guys and, and, and teach them and maybe help them through that. I think that's like a learning curve, you know, when you think that you know what you're doing because you can make it happen, but really you don't. You know, I'm gonna tell you just like you know what my dad told me. He goes, he goes, Wayne, I can't tell you everything to do right. But I've done a lot of things wrong, and I can tell you what not to do. <laughs> and and that's and that is so true. Yep. And that's how my whole racing career has been. And I've been very fortunate to win a lot of races, a lot of big races, a lot of big time races, and go a lot of different places. And and I'm just you know, I, I've been very successful at late model racing. I'm very fortunate. I'm fortunate enough to give my son an opportunity. And you know, it's just uh, you got to take the good with the good and the bad with the bad. And I, it's my whole career has been like a roller coaster. Wayne, didn't you didn't you finish every lap of every race of a season in the All Pro division? Yeah, and finished in the top ten in every single race, first time in the history of NASCAR that was ever done. Wow. Every lap of every race that they raced that season. It's mm-hmm. amazing. That's yeah. an amazing feat, Wayne. You're an amazing character for sure. There's no doubt. You're a definite great race car driver and a good friend. Always ha- happy to talk to Wayne inside the uh, uh, garage area, you know, in the pits. And he's always very helpful, has always been helpful in my, um, you know, in my small career that I have. But I, I've, hey, I've gone to Wayne quite a bit. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, just like the other night, hey, we all ain't perfect. I was on the outside of a very good friend of mine, old Dave Pletcher. Very mm-hmm. good racer. He's won a lot of races. And, and, you know, we went down the corner and, hell, I turned down on top of him. I had to go over to Dave after the race and go, Dave, you know, I apologize. I mean, I just slapped, ran over top of you down in the corner. and But that's racers to racers. You know, a lot, a lot of things, people run over somebody and they don't ever say a word. And I have a lot of respect for Dave Pletcher. And, uh, you know, Absolutely. I made a mistake the other night. I drove right over top of him. And I had to be man enough to walk down there and tell him I, I had to apologize. And after 20 years of racing and the races I won, I still went down there and told him I was I was sorry. Wayne, I'd, I'd like to get your opinion about this. You know, we uh, uh, we asked your dad about uh, his his thoughts on Ocala, and I'm 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 sure you'll echo what he said. He, you know, he he talked about you. Uh, you probably wouldn't like it because you got the place figured out and like that, and that led into uh, him saying um, how the you know what worried him and, and concerned him was the racetracks going away, and he hated to see that. And Cece asked him about why that was and you know it was amazing what he said because he talked about how the drivers need to support their tracks more and maybe not be so critical of the track owners and the promoters even you know it's like he said he said you know he doesn't agree with all the stuff track promoters do but we're past the time where we can complain about them so much we need to support the tracks in order to make sure that they survive what are your thoughts on that well, that's. let me just tell you this. That's one of the reasons why I went down and took five race cars down to Bobby Deal's racetrack down there at Charlotte County Motorsports Park because I want to see the guy survive. I want, to see, I want to see him make it. And, you know, if it takes me doing that, I'll do it. And as far as Ocala going dirt, Mike Peters, very good friend of mine, and I, I, have, to, I have to tip my hat to him. He manned up and decided to go to dirt, and I don't blame him. The place was stalemate. You know, he tried Friday nights not to try to go against Citrus County or maybe Bronx or Lake City. He tried to do it on Friday nights, and everything is just like, 
you know, what amazes me, and, it, and it's happened all over this country, these, these racetracks will put up big money, 10000 to win, 7500 to win, and the cars don't show up. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. But, you know, they'll, come, they'll go to a race where it pays 1500 to win, you get 25 cars. The racetrack pays 10000 to win, you know, you can't get fifteen. It's all timing. You're right. And it's a lot of prom- a lot of the promoters, I have to say, in this state, are mainly open the racetrack up on Saturday, cut the grass, and open the gates and get you in there. And I see, I see a lot of racetracks like that, and it's a shame to say they do not promote it. Sunbelt Series, past champion myself. I just don't see it being promoted. I just see it as, hey, we're going to have a race over here on Saturday night, August 12th. You know, y'all come. I don't see no promotion put into it. And that's what I think racetracks are lacking. It takes a lot of promotion. And I have, you know, I went down to uh, Fort Charlotte and I told Bobby, I said, Bobby, you know, you know, you were with me, Jack. I said, man, the place down a little bit in the pits here. It's, you know, the grass is a little up. I mean, it don't take much effort to paint some of this stuff around here. And he said, Wayne, I only got so much time on my hands. I'm out trying to talk to people at Walmart, talk to people at Budweiser. I can't do it all, man. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't get it all done. There's only so much money I have to work with. And I have to give him, you know, it took me a minute to walk away and think about that. He's 100% correct. I mean, it just takes a lot of effort. It's more effort than us racers realize to take and go into the promoting part of it. We think it's, hey, if we had this, we do this different, we do that different. And until we get on the other side and, and step into them shoes, probably don't know all what really goes on. It's definitely a, a tougher game than what people realize. And, um, you know, but Bobby's got it figured out good because, you know, he's, he's made himself a place that uh, even these poor guys that get put on probation, they can go work their hours off over there and paint the place up. How about that? <laughs> Tell me he's not smart. Jack, am I right in what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. I agree. Back to the racetrack, and everything was done. What I was talking about, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you know, I, I tip my hat to him. I had thought about that since we, since that day we talked about that. I thought about that several times. Said, and uh, you're absolutely right. He, you know, there's there's only, there's only so many hours in a week, and 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 I just like I tell you, I give I give Bobby Deal credit. Hey. People like them, people don't like them. It's no different than, than the race drivers. People like me, people hate me, and uh, Bonehead can agree with that. And, and Nobody know. really hates me, though. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't, it's, he hasn't it's, won it's, enough races yet for hey, people. Hey, listen, to Wayne, nobody hates me except for the track officials. <laughs> Aww. No, come on, I don't think that's true. But you, uh, know, you know, and, 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 and going back to Ocala, I think it's the spark that they need. I hate to see that. That racetrack has been so good to me. Yeah. And I hate to see it go dirt. But I think it's something. I, I mean, I'm going to be a spectator myself going up there because I haven't seen much dirt racing. I'm, I want to go see it. You Why know? don't you get a dirt car and yep. go to the Powell Memorial? Well, don't think that that might not happen. I bet you it All will. Right. I'll tell you what, Wayne. We're going to have to run because uh, Mike Peters is actually listening to this show, and uh, he's waiting for us to call him. And we have a bunch of questions to ask him uh, about the about the move and whatnot. And I, I was up there Saturday night, by the way, at, or Friday night, and I talked to a lot of fans, just people in the grandstands hanging out, getting their their grub, you know, and whatever, and talked to a lot of the drivers. And 
other than, I mean, I didn't find any fans who didn't think it was kind of exciting. Um, you know, I ran into a few of the older drivers who, you know, change wasn't such a good thing, but all the youngsters wanted it. They thought it would be. Let me tell you something. Jack, you, you guys have been around almost every track in this state. Is there not a finer facility than Ocala Speedway? No, sir. It's, and and them people, like I was telling you, a lot of racetracks, they just want to cut the grass Saturday morning, open the gates at noon, and, and race. That place, they're working every day. You call it Ocala Speedway, you're going to get somebody. You go by there, you'll see somebody out there working. Yeah, you got so, the you got the good lighting, you got the good grandstands, and and the facilities are great. So. We'll make sure we'll make sure that we tell Mike Peters that he has your blessing. Yeah. Well, not only that, how many dirt tracks are you going to go to? You pull in the pits and they're paved. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he won't tear that pavement up. <laughs> no, so, you know, uh, all the best to him. And, uh, you know, and like I say, I want to tip my hat to the people at Charlotte County. They're, they are trying hard. They're working hard. The place has changed. Every time I go, I see something a little different done. And uh, so, anyway, well, I well, thank you guys very much for calling me and asking me my opinion. Sometimes they're not what people want to hear, but I can, I can only be honest with you guys. That's well, we, right. Well, we really wait. That's all we want. We, we'll be really excited on Saturday. We'll be there, and uh, maybe you'll be holding up that trophy for the third time, man. You, you never know. I hope so, too. Thank you, guys. Take it Good easy, Wayne. Saturday night, Wayne. Bye-bye now. All right. Bye. There you have it. Wayne Anderson, number 84. Usually uh, tears up the track there at Charlotte County. He usually wins every one of them races that yeah, he's at. Man. So he was a yeah, tooth he, off or two. Yeah, he was not being the kind of, uh, like I was telling when Dick was on, he, I've seen a man jump up on the outside and uh, psh, do stuff. People go, ah, you can't do that here. Well, you can. He can. It's getting harder and harder. The cars are getting faster and faster. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's time to go uh, go dirt racing again, huh? Let's do it. Let's yeah. do what we're going to do. Where's Mike Peters at? Yeah, let's uh we'll see if we can uh, hook him up. We'll be right back. Presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Every year you assemble your closest friends to prepare for another season in the knockdown, drag out world of make believe football. Fourth and inches. You were born with the one skill every manager needs to play fantasy football. Absolutely no skill playing real football. Not so good at catching. Imaginary catches. Imaginary touchdowns. Next up, an imaginary score with an imaginary woman. Good imagination. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh Swami of the sidelines. You may come in dead last, but you're always first with us. Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Are you ready to win? If so, it's time to move up to Five Star Race Car Bodies. Five Star Race Car Bodies designs and manufactures the highest quality race car body components. Short tracks, drag strips, road courses, and even in the desert, Five Star has one driving passion, to help you win. Five Star Race Bodies designs and manufactures for NASCAR, Grand Am, NHRA, IHRA, SCCA, Short Track Asphalt, Short Track Dirt, USAC, USAR, Hooters Pro Cup, and the ASA Late Model Series. Find out more today, fivestarbodies.com. 
That's right. Keep your <laughs> keep, keep your, your mind on the money and your hand wherever in your left hand pocket. <laughs> Let's go dirt racing. Got dirt. Got dirt. <laughs> well, Mike Peters, what's up? Welcome. Guys, hang on, let me wipe the dirt off my face. Okay, welcome. <laughs> hey, you know you've you've got you've got Wayne Anderson's blessing. Okay, we just worked that out for you. He's not going to come and try to hunt you down in the night for tearing down his favorite racetrack where he's won so much money. Hey, you know what? Just like Wayne said, we're pretty good friends. He called me three or four months ago and and uh, basically called me out on it. What's the deal, man? Is it happened or what? I said, well, how does that affect you, and what do you think about it? And uh, basically, he said. You know, I've gotten a lot of money out of that place, and I hate to see it go dirt, but I think it's the best thing you could ever do to it. All right. He just needs a dirt car now, right? <laughs> he does. He get the pal if I can find him a dirt ride. And yeah. just in case there's anybody listening who does not know who we're talking to, this is Mike Peters, owner of Ocala Speedway, who made the, the official decision on uh, Friday night last that the track will be going to dirt in 2008. So uh, what's changed since last Friday, Mike? <laughs> My workload. Did you tear it up yet? No, we're not tearing anything up. My workload's gone up drastically. In fact, one of the questions on your website from one of the listeners was, are we going to put it right on top of the asphalt? And that's correct. We are. It's going right on top of the asphalt. There's still going to be an asphalt track there. Uh, there's many tracks around the country that have done this. And believe it or not, a lot of people don't realize that Volusia is an example of a track that has asphalt on it. That's right. I raced on it when it was asphalt. Yeah. So then, what what is the, uh, the the process of making this switchover? How long does the track have to be down for you to bring all the dirt in and convert it? Right now, if everything goes off the way as, as planned or scheduled, it's gonna it's gonna take about two weeks from start to finish. Are you are you gonna have to add to the height of your wall? Uh, along the front straightaway, we are in front of the grandstand area. If you remember. Uh, along one and two and down through the dog leg, there's billboards and signs, and there's no grandstand seating area. We are looking at adding a tailgating area on the back straightaway through the dog leg to give fans another option or opportunity to come out and look at the races from a different angle, kind of the same setup that they have at Volusia. How many feet of uh, uh, clay do you actually got to bring in there? A foot, and then some areas thicker. Okay. Well, that's that's not a bad deal then. So it's so I mean, you, if you ever wanted to go back, you could always go back. Just need a need a need a heavy duty washing machine. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we're not going back. Yeah, I don't think Mike has any plans to go back. <laughs> that's, oh my goodness! Hey, you so, never so, listen. You never so, know, so, do you? So, Mike, where did this? I mean, I know that you you go around and watch other races around the the states. You've been a track owner now for a couple of years. Where did this all come from? How did it really begin? Where did this seed come from? Well, let's go back to square one. When I was a driver there, people always used to comment in the pits and people that I also talked with in the grandstand area uh, about its history as a dirt track and how well it did and uh, how much fun the racing was to not only race there but also to watch. Um, And then if you advance a little bit, when Angie and I purchased the Speedway, literally within probably three to four hours of buying the track, probably my, my first request was to make it a dirt track again. And since that day, the single biggest request that I've heard from um, drivers, retired drivers, drivers that would look like to come back and race at Ocala, and fans has, it, has been for it to be a dirt track again. The first year that we operated the Speedway, 
uh, it kind of fell on deaf ears with myself. I kind of ignored it because we were really focused and really concentrating on on making a go of it under the current configuration. Uh, then in the off season last year, I kind of, it was something I really started to look into, and I've actually been looking at this since January of this year. How many loads of clay is it going to take? Uh, right around 250. So when did you get serious? When did you get really serious? So after these people had, had, you know, bombarded you over the, the period of time? Probably about six, six or seven months ago was when I really started getting serious, really started doing some homework. Um, it's been really particularly busy for me the last half of the season. You know, uh, Lou retired in May. Um, so I've not only been on my own at the, at the track and operating it on a weekly basis now, but I've also been working on the dirt stuff behind the scenes before I even said anything to anybody about it or was very public about it at all. Uh, probably six or seven months ago, I started building and uh, forming relationships in the dirt industry. Uh, one in particular is with Dirt Motorsports. Um, and then over the last few months, as the rumors gotten out, we've, we've talked to other uh, dirt people uh, regarding different series and, and opportunities as far as that's concerned because you know, the big picture is not really how the track's going to look in, in six months after the season opens. The big picture is how is it going to look in three years after it opens as a dirt facility. You know, what kind of opportunities lie in front of us for the long term? Um, I can tell you this. I've offered in 2009 uh, to a major racing venue uh, in the United States to create our own Speed Week event. I think Ocala is deserving. Uh, have its own dirt speed week event. It's centrally located. Anybody that travels here from <clears throat> the north to the Midwest to the west, whether you're going to East Bay or Volusia, you travel within one mile of Ocala Speedway. And if you're coming down uh, I-75 and you're going to Daytona or Volusia or Daytona 500 or New Smyrna, uh, you're getting off at my exit and traveling within less than one mile of Ocala Speedway. Um, so I'm looking to do something for uh, the Speed Week type event, which doesn't really take anything away from Volusia or East Bay. Uh, I think there's plenty to go around, and being that we're all centrally located, I think there's a good opportunity there for it. You know, one of the things that people, uh, you, you hear uh, race fans, media people, and others um, say is that one thing about the Florida promoters is one try something, Next thing you know, they're all doing it, like with the buses or what. What if you start a trend, man? <laughs> you could be you could be the guy who's responsible for turning it all to dirt. That's why you need to keep that asphalt track underneath there, because you never know what will happen, see? If they do that, I think we'll go to airboaters. <laughs> hey, let me ask you something, Mike. Um, on a little bit different pace here, some of our folks out there that are racing go-karts and stuff, are you going to be running go-karts on that track? Yeah. One of the other uh, opportunities for us was going over to uh, the uh, the dirt side of the house that opens up that opportunity. And anybody that's in tune with that side of the industry knows how much of a demand for it there is. Yeah. Uh, particularly on dirt, you know, that's where all the yeah, the WKA would be loving to look at your facility to hold one of their huge races that they have. They have huge races. You folks that just go to car races don't even realize where the root of racing really is, and that's in, in go-karts, especially in dirt racing with go-karts. Hundreds of these guys show up. That, right. Mike, that young lady, uh, Melissa Hunley, 
Yep. Who won? Uh, her won her first feature event there Friday night in the uh, the four cylinders. Uh, she was extremely excited about going to dirt. She said, "Yes, I have eight years' experience racing on dirt in go karts." Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what well, relates? Look how good Sean does. We are we are in a a heavily uh, how do you say it dirt racing area of Florida. Okay, um, you know out of, out of the twelve to fifteen or ten asphalt late models that race at Ocala Speedway, there's only one or two that are from Marion County or the Ocala area. And if you look at the flip side of that coin, there are ten to twelve dirt late models in our backyard. And you know one of the one of the staples out there in, in the dirt industry, Ivan and Lloyd, is literally five miles from the track as far as the shop. Wow! Is he going to be supporting you? Uh, yeah, I've talked with Ivan quite a bit over the last couple months, and um, you know he travels extensively with the series as he races in. And if he's here and, and uh, not on the road, he, he said he will be at Ocala Speedway. Did, did did he get the bush ride? I don't know. I haven't talked to him since I since the rumor came out. Okay, I. I Okay. Cool. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about the series that are going to be run there? We talked to with uh, one of them earlier today, um, mm-hmm. but we'd like to maybe hear about some of the other ones. Well, we're putting together. I, I talked with Larry Sams today from the uh, ASCS American Sprint Car Series. We're looking at putting together a deal with them to come down uh, three times next year in conjunction with uh, possibly East Bay. They'd race at Ocala on Friday night and then continue down to East Bay for a Saturday night show. Uh, which I think is really exciting and, and really looking forward to it, and really looking forward to bringing to the, the uh, that kind of type of show to the fans on dirt. A couple of the other things I'm really excited about uh, are some of the existing races we have already. Um, there is no 5,000 to win dirt modified races in the state of Florida, and I'm really excited about presenting the blue gray uh, to the dirt modified drivers out there. You know, our 5,000 to win race. Uh, currently working with Dirt Motorsports on how we can fit that in during Speed Weeks. 08 may be a little too soon to pull it off, and I have some things that I'm concerned with uh, as far as the actual dirt on the track. I don't want to start. I don't want to start out on a bad foot with any series or any races that we may have. I like to have a couple practice sessions to give the crew that I'm going to have there the opportunity to prep the track and work on the track. Um, it pretty pretty much an industry-wide thing. One of the things that makes or breaks the dirt track is the racing surface. Are you going to widen it up a little bit? We Originally, we were thinking about all kinds of things as far as uh, banking and configuration. We looked at, in turns three and four, adding about ten more feet of surface to the bottom of the corner all the way throughout to make it a little bit more of a radius turn. Yeah, it might help um, out a little bit. Yeah, but after after thinking about it, we're going to put it down as it is. The beautiful thing about the surface is you can change it. All right. You know, you can put some cars out on it, maybe for a practice night at the first of the year, and see how it goes. Get everybody's opinion. Uh, see what they think. See what how we might be able to improve it, uh, and adjust it and make some changes from there. It's interesting, you know. Uh, it's always described by people um, frequently. You'll hear it's a D-shaped oval. And I sort of picked up that mantra. People ask me about Ocala. I say it's a D-shaped oval. A few weeks ago, I was looking at uh, uh, Google uh, map shots, you know, the, the satellite imagery. Right. And uh, it's not D-shaped at all. It's a, goof, it's a goofy shape, D. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's between a D and an egg. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the top like, of it, the top of it looks like an egg. It's unusual. <laughs> it's very unusual. And the thing about it is, it, it the shape of it actually lends itself more favorably as a dirt track. I think so. Yeah. I uh, think you're exactly why, right. Why did when, when did the track originally open? 1952, November. November 52, making it the oldest currently running track in Florida. Yep. And when did it go asphalt? The 90s. Ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I actually raced in the first first James Power Memorial that they had when it was dirt. I mean, uh, back from uh, dirt to asphalt. Back to asphalt. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dicky brought up some great things earlier, and one of the things that just because I've been an owner there and spent so much time talking to drivers and everything, um, he brought up the fact that it's a it's a challenging track. It's a driver's track, and and that's absolutely one hundred percent correct. And it that helps us in regards to uh, guys like Wayne, uh, the Kurt Jets out there, some of the, the really up-and-coming guys that want to go out and get some experience on a difficult track to drive. On the flip side of that, it hinders us in terms of some of the lower divisions. Um, you know, I have the guys that race SoCal Speedway either love it or they hate it. Uh, yeah. You know, and that goes from the lowest type of division out there, the most entry-level division, all the way to... Super late models. I mean, there are super late model drives in the state of Florida today that will not race at Ocala Speedway. That's because of the back straightaway, because you're on the gas the whole time when you get out of the corner, and the whole time, if somebody touches you, you just feel like you're just going to blow it out in the wall. And then you come down to turn three, and you better just turn it sharp to get off of four. It's the craziest thing in the world. But it was great to race on. It's great to watch, I'll tell you. Hey, hey Mike, you know what? When we when I used to practice there, I used to say to myself, am I going to be able to run 125 laps on this racetrack? <laughs> but as the race would go on, it it, it just made it. It, it made it a great place to race. And I think as a dirt track, I used to talk to David Rudiman about it, and he used to say, you know, it was shaped the same way when it was dirt, you know, and uh, – you get all ass around here, you know, and uh, when you think about it, it's going to be kind of cool, I think, to see it dirt. I bet you'll see David Rudum in there racing on it again. What well, you- I, haven't, I haven't talked to Dave personally. I'm going to be playing in his golf tournament at the end of the month. Maybe I'll have an opportunity to meet him. Uh, but I have heard off the cuff that uh, when he's available or if he has time, that he may visit the facility once or twice to participate in some races throughout the year. Um, and that would be a great thing. It would be a great thing for the Speedway itself, you know. I've done a lot. I've, I've done a lot at Ocala to try and promote the racing end of it from the grandstand perspective. You know, I've applied traction compound three times a year. Uh, I personally blow off the track, make sure there's never any fod or any debris on the facility, uh, just to try and promote better racing there. And in the long run, Ocala just does not promote good side-by-side racing because of the shape of the facility. Now, uh, what I've come to realize after putting this traction compound down on the track, I think I've only heard it in the long run instead of making it better. You know, when we first put the stuff down on the track, uh, we've got good side-by-side, sometimes three-wide racing for maybe a month, and then once it starts to wear off, uh, it's back to single file. But what happens is the guys in the front or the leader ends up turning a faster lap time because he's bringing the car wider through the turns, and he's staying hooked up by doing it. Uh, because of the traction compound, and he's making himself faster, and the guy on the outside has even less of a chance to be keeping up or even passing the guy. Well, that's one way to look at it, you know. And uh, and that's this, history now, right? This final stuff that you put fault now ought to fix that. 
what uh, what do you say to to, to uh, Joe at the Ocala dot com Star Banner deal uh, about the move? Will you be moving the grandstands out of turn four? No, I'm not going to be moving the grandstands out of turn four. He called me and asked me that today. He's afraid somebody's going to get dirty. Yeah, dirt fans put dirt races to get dirty. I mean, Mike, can I have the? Can I have the? Uh, can I bid on the uh, goggle concession? I'm going to go- put. I'm going to put. A- <laughs> I'm going to put a Carnac specific booth in the Turn Four Grandstands opening night. There you go. <laughs> you guys can do a live show from the Turn Four Grandstands. There you go. That that's cool. So uh, picture of it with you sitting there with with goggles and ski masks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what about this uh, Turkey Enduro? Is that out? Yeah, um, it's been left on the schedule. We literally uh, were waiting on a couple pieces of the puzzle to fall into place over the last two weeks. Um, it's going to be canceled as of, as of the last couple of days uh, because of the time needed in, for the uh, the conversion over to dirt and some other work that we need to do on the facility. Um, but we're looking forward to rescheduling that enduro and possibly some other type of stuff like it in 2008 on dirt. What's your opening day on the dirt going to be? Uh, right now we're we're looking at the first weekend in March. Now that's going to be a special night. You know this whole. Uh, the whole campaign with going back to dirt is getting back to our roots. Uh, when you arrive at Ocala Speedway on opening night at the first of the year, uh, you're going to think it's 1952. Oh, that sounds cool. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the entire staff is going to be in uh, 19, 1950s apparel. We're working on having Elvis Presley there to sing the national anthem. Well, make sure you get Kush Rivette and some of them other guys with them old 50s cars to come out there and run around the track a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm in the process of working on for kind of an, an uh, exhibition event uh, at the for the opening ceremonies. That'd be cool. Uh, and then we'll just kind of transition through the, the stages, you know, as, as the different cars come out through the divisions up until we end up with the dirt late models. I, we're really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun night. Um, we're, we're looking to really get back to the basics, guys, at, at the track. Uh, you know, one of the one of the best pieces of advice I listened to was at the uh, RPM meeting two years ago before we even opened the doors. And Curly was in front of an entire audience, and, and uh, he was nominated promoter of the year. And he kept driving home the point that every one of us needed to get back to the basics. Get back to the basics. Uh, I, all of us at one point or another tried to emulate NASCAR, and uh, the cost of it continued to, to go up. There's always going to be a need for asphalt tracks. Um, obviously, guys want to work their way up through the ranks and, and end up in the, the cup cars at some point in time. So there's always going to be a need for that. Um, but short track racing is short track racing. And uh, that's the point he was trying to drive home is that we all need to get back to that. Um, I tried to apply some of the basic thoughts and principles throughout the last two years running it on asphalt, and I didn't ultimately know that when uh, I sat there and listened to him tell us we needed to get back to the basics, that I'd be absolutely going very far back to the basics by going back to dirt. Well, it and sounds like a good plan. Now, what, address the, well, I, there's one other thing here on the message board I want to make sure we covered. Uh, Jack Tripper, who's a huge dirt fan, a huge sprint car fan, and so forth. Um, uh, what about this thing with like maybe something like IMCA or those kinds of deals? Well, the better the better fit for us. Um, isn't isn't really IMCA. There's the next closest track to us that's IMCA sanctioned is uh, in Alabama, Deep South Speedway. The rest of them are mostly up in the Northeast and in the North. They're predominantly heavy IMC 
sanctioned facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the better fit for us is to work with UMP yep. um, and become a dirt motorsports facility, being that we're neighbors with them. Um, I will tell you this, I'm in discussions right now um, at booking a potential World of Outlaws late model race at Ocala Speedway for next year. Sounds good. Which I'm, I think is going to be a really exciting thing. for Mike, you're going big time, man. <laughs> That's what it's all about. If you're going to make the move, you got to make the move. Next year for us at Ocala, it's going to be 100% about the show. It's about the experience. I was waiting for you to say that word because when I ask you uh, at the end of the night, Friday night, after you'd had a few hours after you'd announced uh, to your drivers, and I asked you this one question about, I asked him uh, uh, what was the deciding factor, and he simply said, the show. Tell us about your concept of the show. Well, the show to me, after... You know, I raced at Ocala Speedway, and I've literally watched. I've missed one night of racing since we've owned the facility. Uh, and I, I spent a lot of time around the grandstand area, in the grandstand area, you know, and, and I've really beat my head against the wall like a lot of other promoters have out there on grandstand attendance numbers, you know. Um, and when you work at it and work at it and work at it and numbers don't change, you still hover around the same number of grandstand attendance people every week. You sit and you analyze the people that are sitting in your grandstands. Today, at this point in time, I think I'd be fair to say 50% of the people that are in my grandstands right now are not even there to watch racing. They're there to maybe get away from the bump and grind. They're there to maybe spend some time with some friends. Uh, but if you look in the grandstands, people are not even facing the racetrack. They're sitting there facing each other. They're eating peanuts. They're having a beer. They're talking about what happened that day at work, whatever. And then all of a sudden they may hear an accident or a car will hit the wall, and they'll look out and say, oh, look, there was an accident, you know, and then they go back to what they were doing. And, I, you know, the toughest part about this decision for me is I've also spent a lot of time in the pits over the last two years and built some good relationships with the drivers that have supported us week in and week out. And the toughest part about it all is I know that some of those guys are not going to return because dirt is not for them. You know, and at the same time, I have to do what I think is going to be in the best interest of the Speedway. And uh, when you work at something for two years and you watch the same thing happening over and over and over again, then maybe you really need to at the show that you're putting on, you know. It needs to change. Well, what what is part, what is your plan to um, to get the word out to maybe a lot of race fans, dirt race fans who who haven't been to your track in a long time, um, to get everything to get it out there so they know that the change is coming and what to expect. I'm actually scheduled scheduled for a uh, space shuttle launch in January. <laughs> I'm Shuttle. Mike, you just have an answer for everything. Now. Hey, you should have said, Mike, that's why I'm on this show tonight. That's right. Hey, listen, guys. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. That's one of the reasons I'm on the show tonight. But I will I will say this. Since this rumor has gotten out in the last five to six weeks, I have spent more time on the phone than I have been being, being able to get any work done. My phone has literally rang off the hook from dirt drivers, from guys that retired, when Ocala was paved, that don't want to race on asphalt, that want to come back to racing dirt, drivers that 
you know, a gentleman came out to the track and said, I started racing here in 1979. My grandfather raced here, my dad raced here, and when it paved, we've never been back to even watch a race here. I've got three cars, and I'm ready to come back and race. I live 10 miles from here. There's a, a significant number of people in this area that all leave to go race somewhere else because they're dedicated dirt, dra- dirt drivers. So word of mouth is paying off well, then. The word of mouth has paid off tremendously, and i got to give props to Angie and uh, one of our other employees, Howard, because they came up with the idea of the America, shirt, America Short Track Got Dirt shirts. Um, they just arrived at the track and on the race day one day, and they actually wanted me to wear one at the driver's meeting about three months ago. I said, I'm not having any part of that because it hasn't been announced, mm-hmm. it hasn't been official. Um, we did wear it outside of Ocala to a couple other dirt facilities, not to infringe on them or not to uh, step on their toes at all, but just to do some promoting and see what kind of feedback we got from everybody else out there that's in the dirt in the dirt world currently, you know. Um, And it was really kind of overwhelming. Yeah, and people who uh, may not uh, go to dirt racing facilities in Florida probably don't know. Um, You don't have, I mean, there are some situations where you maybe don't have great car counts in every class. But like at East Bay Raceway Park, for instance, I mean, you go to a late models show, there's going to be 25 to 30 or more late models there's going to be a full field of open-wheel modifieds. There's going to be a full field of Outlaw 4 street stocks. And they don't have 20 classes. They'll have, like, four classes. And each of them's got a lot of cars in it, and it makes for an exciting deal. I mean, I mean, not to pick on Charlotte because, you know, no, no, I'm not doing that. But I'm sorry, I made the comment earlier. The people didn't come down there last Saturday to watch those seven trucks. They came to watch as many late models. And there was 19, and it was a great show. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, but these seven seven car shows have got to go away. Well, and that's what we're doing. We're absolutely going back to the basics. I mean, we're going to have four divisions, five divisions pops to Cal Speedway. We may not even race all five of them. What are they? We're going to race four out of them. Uh, our show is going to be three hours long. It's going to be nonstop action from the time you walk in the door. Side-by-side restarts, cars sideways around the corners. Uh, and have the people in and out by 11, 11.30. We do that right now on asphalt, and we start it at 7.30. And my crew and staff there has gotten so efficient that we can complete seven to eight feature events between 7.30 and 11.30 at night. I have a self-imposed curfew of 11.30. Last Friday night when TBRA was there, the latest night we've had in two years. We finished up racing, I think it was around 12.40, 12.45. Uh, but that's the latest night we've had. I, I try to operate the place with a self-imposed curfew to, to, to try and stay good neighbors. Um, yeah, you had one oil spill per class. We had something blow up in every every single division, even one of the sprint cars. Getting back to the, the seven and eight division thing, if you look at the asphalt tracks in general nationwide, okay, every, every Monday I get on the computer and I look at everybody's race results. New Smyrna, Columbia, DeSoto, Bobby's Place, Auburndale. I can tell you who raced at what track every single week. Um, and probably back around January when I started looking at the, the dirt transition, I started looking at every dirt tracks too. I mean, all the way up into Georgia and the South Carolina, I started tracks I've never even been to or, or know anything about. I started following their car counts, what types of divisions they ran. It's a nationwide epidemic on the asphalt side of the house. Um, each and every one of these tracks are running 
6 and 7 and 8 feature events a night trying to provide more and more and more entertainment to the fans. And I think in the long run it has the absolute uh, opposite effect on them. You know, on the asphalt side you end up dealing with more spills, a uh, longer time to clean them up, so forth and so on. Um, and back to something Dickie brought up earlier, and you guys did too, with uh, taking time off in the off season. Whether we stayed on asphalt or dirt next year, we probably were not going to operate in the months of August and September. Uh, two years in a row now, absolutely, it's a losing proposition. Amen. You continuously deal with the rain, you deal with the mosquitoes, you deal with the heat. Um, I, w- I was always very proactive in trying to call the races early. Um, some of the drivers appreciated it, and some of them didn't because they just wanted to have a place to go, basically. Um, but if there's nobody in the grandstands, you can't pay the purses, guys. That's what it boils down to. One of the situations that I it bothers me the most is when we complete the heat races, and pretty much everybody's standard rule of thumb is when the heat races are completed, it constitutes event. Not so much from the driver's perspective because they know I'm going to turn around and reschedule a rain-out makeup race. But the fans just don't understand that they watch the heat races and now they're leaving, and their ticket is no good next Friday. And that's pretty much everybody's policy, and it really leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. So why operate those two months of the year? Well, in the asphalt world, one of the problems is having to operate more times throughout the year to continue to generate the revenue to operate the facility. That's the vicious cycle you get into. Well, you know, with the dirt track, you might be able to run five days a week at some times. What's that? I said having the dirt track, you might be able to run five days a week sometimes. Well, I don't know if we'll run five days a week. Sometimes I think less is better. Well, when you when you do speed weeks type stuff, you know. You, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, yep. Because none of that stuff ever seems to work out on the asphalt, you know. Yeah. Three days max. <laughs> well, yeah, the only – New Smyrna does it. You know, they do like, what, 11 days or nine straight days. It's crazy, though. Sure, it's absolutely, crazy. yep. Um, Mike, what yeah, didn't we? Go, here, I just wanted to kind of yeah, go ahead. Highlight one of the, one of the other things that Dicky says. You, you got to respect and appreciate what the guy says. He's been around this business for so long. Um, you know, he brought up driver promotions, and I just kind of wanted to touch on that for a second. Then we could talk about some more dirt stuff. But you know, it, it's it, one of the simplest things that can help a promoter promote a race is early entrance form. You know, for every race, we had 37 modifieds at the Blue-Gray. We had 27 late models at the Powell Memorial. Um, when it's a week out from the Powell Memorial, and I've only got four entrance forms sitting on my desk, and everybody on your website or Tom's website or, you know, the newspaper's calling, everybody wants to know what drivers are going to be at your facility, um, and you really can only go on the entrance forms that are laying on the desk, it's kind of hard to promote the event even more, or, or if there were more entrance forms turned in early, if a guy knows he's going to come to the race, maybe if he doesn't even have the money at the point in time, if he could just send in an entrance form, you know, a month in advance if it's available. So the promoter, whether it's me or at any track, can at least say, hey, you know what, I've got a, a written commitment here that, that Wayne's going to be there or, you know, whoever's going to be at the race. It would help the promoters uh, promote the event, basically. You know, I, I mean, we... With 37 modifieds at the at the blue gray, I think I had 10 pre-entries. That was it. Um, and it's something as simple as that can help the racetrack owners out with promoting their events. You know, keep you from being so nervous too. Well, 
you're just kind of left sitting there. You know, you've talked to guys on the phone, you've called guys, and they say they're going to come. Um, you know, and then you end up being you end up looking bad if you tell everybody they're coming and then they don't show up. You know. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to have to be some uh, some increased communication levels between the uh, promoters and the drivers um, to get some more some better understanding because the current ones aren't working. Well, it's a, it's important in any business. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a, important in any business, and let's face it. I mean, every one of these things are businesses to the track owners. And I try to operate Ocala with the philosophy that we got two sets of customers coming in the doors. We got the ones that are going in the grandstands, and we got the ones that are coming in the back gate. Right. You know. So when do you think you'll um, open up uh, the track for a practice? You're going to do run some practices on it before that March opening, right? Well, we're looking at the uh, the first weekend in March, and then we're uh, looking at probably the two weeks prior to that having a practice night available. Uh, our general procedure is to have the rules out and available uh, at the banquet. Our banquet is December 12th, and I've been sitting here working on the, the rules all night tonight. Um, so we're going to follow through with that. Everything should be ready there by the banquet. Then we generally have a schedule out by the first of the year, um, and we're probably going to follow along the same timeline. If we can get anything out sooner, we will. Um, we're kind of the new kids on the block in terms of uh, the dirt world. So I'm going to kind of set the example and, and try and show that I'm willing to work with everybody else. Just like on asphalt, you guys know that uh, i kind of at least tried to be in the forefront as far as working together with everybody out there. Uh, every track owner in the state I think I have a good rapport with, and I think I'm going to work on trying to continue that on over to dirt. Good deal. Anything else that we didn't ask you that uh, we need to get out about this at this point? <laughs> my god real quick mike throw out the classes that you're playing on right yeah 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 uh right now we're looking at uh hornet type division uh as an entry level division a v8 bomber type division which we already have now the rules will be very similar to uh hobby stock which is a real common division amongst all the dirt tracks and then we're not real sure on what direction to go with the sportsman if it's going to be a uh, more of a limited late model class or a limited sportsman or in the dirt world they call them street stocks and then we'll have uh, UMP modifieds and then dirt late models the dirt the modifieds and late models won't run together we'll probably alternate the classes uh, so it's probably going to be shaping up to be something resembling that sprint cars yes well we're looking at the three big dates with the ASDS um, and then we've got the Florida sprints and then we've got some uh, micro sprints too that we'll be looking at, at adding in there as well. I I don't want to add um, too many special events throughout the year. Um, you know, everybody needs to understand the economic times that we're in right now, and and the ones that I think we're still facing probably over the first half of the year next year um, before things start to turn around or maybe move in a different direction. Uh, so that's going to be playing a big role in, in stuff that I schedule or book at the Speedway. And when you have a special event every other week, it's not a special event anymore. You know? So exactly. I'm only having maybe one special event a month or one every six weeks, something along those lines. You can't have the Eagles every week, man. They get old. That's right, man. you gotta you got to build the basic end of it. Are, are you doing the PRI show? Uh, yeah, and then we're still... 
trying to go out to Reno at the end of the month for the uh, RPM workshop out there. We've been to the one in Orlando, but we haven't been out to Reno. Yeah, okay. We're going to have Steve Lewis on uh, the uh, guy who put the puts the uh, PRI show together at Orlando. We're going to have him on uh, Real Racing USA tomorrow night. Also, Larry Sams from the uh, Sprint Car microphone i have to throw away sure I, yeah i spoke with larry earlier today yeah he's uh, gonna... one of the other guys i'm working with is ken with the uh what started out as the florida dirt late mile challenge series yeah um one of the things that's attractive about it to me is he's come up with a set of rules that so far appears to be working pretty good there are a set of rules that incorporates three different types of cars the national late mile series cars the crate motor cars and uh, also the east bay cars and I think that's something that we need to try and capitalize on at Ocala Speedway with our central location. Um, we're kind of the hub of all the dirt tracks being a dirt track. Yeah, he's excited about your deal. We talked When we talked to him earlier tonight, he was very excited about it. And, um, you know, he's obviously doing something right. There's no question about that. Well, you know, Jack, you know my thoughts and feelings on traveling series is in the state. Um and there's always going to be a need for traveling series, but I, it's just my opinion that we've got too many asphalt traveling series in the state of Florida. I think the last count I counted, we were up to 14 traveling series on asphalt. And uh, with that many traveling series, it takes away guys from the local tracks. It stops guys from race, going out and racing at their local tracks because they've got so many options out there as far as series and what they want to go participate in. And it's almost gotten to where the asphalt tracks in the state of Florida are series-driven. You know, people don't want to come out to the track because there's not a series there. Or, you know, when there, when they, when there was a time when they came out to the track just to support, you know, uh, Jim Smith because that was their favorite driver in that That's right. division, you know. That's right. Um, it's taken away from some of that. Um, it's taken away a lot of it. really has. You're right. Well. You don't see that in the dirt world. I mean, at least in the state of Florida, there's maybe two to three series. Um, and then you've got potentially, you know, the, the the big series stuff like the World of Outlaws or late models or spin cars. That's why there's more hot-blooded race fans these days at dirt tracks in Florida than at the asphalt tracks. Well, I'm not here, I'm not here to knock asphalt. I've been doing it for two years, and every one of my drivers have work just as hard as the dirt guys would and race their guts out to, to go out there and, and put on a good race. One oh, abs- absolutely. One of the things that I have noticed at the dirt tracks that I have been to, it just seems or it just feels like the people in the pits are having more fun. I think this probably has something to do with getting dirty, which I am looking forward to uh, making my way to a dirt track and uh, <laughs> get dirty. I, I haven't had that chance yet, and I'm looking forward to doing that, and hopefully I'll be able to uh, plan a weekend and make my way up to Ocala and uh, check it out once you are open and, and racing, and I look forward to that. And, wow, guys, unbelievably, these three hours have flown by. This, this is a three-hour mar- marathon, Mike. We uh, really thank you for uh, spending some time with us tonight and uh, hopefully answered some questions. And, uh, of course, all these interviews will be available every day, 24 hours a day, and uh, maybe we can answer more questions. Jack, three hours is nothing. We did the 12 hours of Ocala together. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you, man. Well, we will talk to you again, I guarantee you. Talks. Appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight. Guys, thanks for having me on. Mark it on your calendar the first weekend in March, whether you're an asphalt fan or a dirt fan. 
it's going to be a tribute to the past, and the past was just racing. So start looking for your 50s outfits now. So get off your Little asphalt and get dirty. Saddle shoes. <laughs> there you go. All right, we got to get out of here. Take it easy, Mike. Thanks, man. Bye, Mike. Folks, you've been listening to Inside Florida Racing. I hope you had a good time. Uh, our three-hour show is coming to an end. Um, I know I had a great time. CC, did you? It was, a great, it was a great to be back with you guys, and uh, looking forward to seeing y'all again next Monday night. By the way, Carol, hello. I know you're listening out there. Super fan, we miss you. And next week it'll be two hours. Tomorrow night, Real Racing USA with Rick Angie, Jack Smith, and Wayne Jefferson. Really? Behind the mic. Imagine that. Really? That should be interesting. Take it easy, folks. Goodbye, y'all. You really gonna have a ball when you do the same people again. You really gonna have a ball down the south side of town, yeah, in some hole in the wall. I got to do the same people again. I'm gonna jump until I fall. I've got to do the same people again. I'm gonna jump until I fall. Bar hopping and high topping. Hey Lord, can't you hear me call? Yeah.